Need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. Are you searching for the best in online black radio? Then go to blacktalkradionetwork.com, helping you filter through the noise. Real talk, black talk. I'm Melissa Harris-Perry, in for Tanzina Vega, and this is The Takeaway. It's been six years since the NFL reached a $1 billion settlement in response to retired players connecting traumatic brain injuries suffered during play to long-term loss of cognitive function. Well, it's something that we thought was important to do because uh, we want to make sure that the players who may need help, may need assistance, or their families get that as soon as possible. Uh, rather than litigating this for years and years, uh, we have a fund that's available uh, based on need. Roger Goodell, speaking about the settlement on CBS in 2015. Now, the U.S. Supreme Court then paved the way for the settlement in 2016, refusing to hear a challenge to a lower court's decision on the agreement. And in that settlement, the NFL did not actually admit guilt for its role in the players' brain injuries. But last week, the NFL admitted it is guilty of something else, a practice known as race norming. Now, race norming means the league determined eligibility for settlement dollars based, in part, on the race of the player. Using a decades-old medical practice, the NFL asserted that black players typically had lower cognitive function than their white counterparts. In short, race norming made it harder for black players to qualify for a payout if they have dementia. And now the NFL says it's reevaluating all prior claims made under the concussion settlement. In a statement put out by the league last week, a spokesperson said, quote, everyone agrees race-based norms should be replaced, but no off-the-shelf alternative exists. And that's why these experts are working to solve this decades-old issue. Very insulting um, for that to even be going on. Former running back and current Detroit Lions assistant head coach Deuce Staley weighed in on the news with reporters last Thursday. Now the NFL is correcting themselves. Uh, you know, without being corrected, you still have a problem. But now I guess they're coming out and saying, okay, you know, this was wrong, this, that, and other, and they're correcting it now, which that's what you want. But other former players are more skeptical that the NFL is ready to hold itself accountable for the racially biased practice. For more on what the recent decision made by the NFL means for black players, I spoke with Ken Jenkins, a former Washington running back, and Mary Claire Dale, legal affairs writer for the Associated Press and 2018 Neiman Fellow at Harvard. I think what's interesting is that it was developed in medicine, specifically in neurocognitive medicine in the early 1990s, with the goal of really capturing more people who might need treatment. So um, when people take dementia tests, which often include uh, several hours of testing under many different types of skills, memory, language, executive function, et cetera, the scores can be uh, normed by both gender, education, and in this case, race. 
uh, again, in the in medicine, it was meant intended to offer more people treatment that might need it and whose scores may not have suggested that they had some cognitive disabilities. But here in this case, instead of looking at people holistically, they were using it to look at the scores to determine a legal award, which even um, medical ethicists and doctors say was never the intention of how these, uh, these norms were designed to be used. And yet, Mr. Jenkins, it's not as though the NFL looked at itself, its own practices, and was like, oh, this is terrible. We should stop. What did it take to actually bring this to light and to move this towards ending the practice? You know, it took the efforts of the wives who actually have to manage their household and their families while they watched their husbands uh, steadily and slowly decline, the men that they knew to be these vibrant human beings. And it took a petition of 50,000 signatures to shed light on the subject and the practice. And that's what really moved the needle. There were lawyers who actually have been working on this for three or four years and could get no movement at all. But once the public outcry got to be loud enough, they changed their story. As a former player, and and particularly I'm thinking about your wife and the other wives and partners who, as you point out, are managing the realities of these uh, traumatic head injuries and of the the following, um, you know, cognitive issues that come along with it. How are y'all kind of feeling about the NFL in this moment? Well, we, we understand that the NFL owns Sunday and the NFL is mega powerful, smart lawyers, expensive lawyers. And we realize that we're David and Goliath here, us being David, obviously. <laughs> and so we feel like we've gotten some wins here with the, the, the NFL uh, disbanding the uh, race norming uh, algorithm. And they've also decided, you know, they're going to go back and retroactively look at all the players who may have been race normed. That's a win. But overall, you know, we just don't trust them because they're the ones who, you know, they were the architects of this side door that allowed them to get away with it for so long. So the proof is in the pudding. If they do this, that's great. My concern is, is that there'll be another side door because they are slick and smart. And to this point, Chris Seeger, who was supposed to be our representative, has been overpowered by the NFL. So Mary Claire, let me come to you on exactly that, that feeling of being over or that reality of being overpowered by the NFL. Some were saying this even before the race norming became public about the idea of the $1 billion settlement in and of itself, that $1 billion sounds like a lot, but relative to what is made in the NFL, that it's actually kind of small potatoes. Is this settlement big enough? Well, right now the settlement is uncapped. Uh, So that in some ways is what's led to this issue, I think, of the NFL appealing awards if they were not, quote, fully demographically normed, which means if they were not race normed. The settlement uh, came about in 2013 through secret negotiations after hundreds of lawsuits had been filed against the NFL by former players who accused the NFL basically of fraud and said that they had hidden what they knew about the effect of of repeated concussions and send people back out on the field. So rather than go to trial, it was a risk for players as well. So the two sides forged a settlement 
which initially was capped at $765 million. Uh, the judge fairly quickly, within I believe a year or two by 2015, had realized that that was not going to be enough. And she really, you know, I think forced the NFL to uncap it. The NFL, of course, is footing the bill for the award fund. But because of that, the NFL started to become much more aggressive, appealing awards more frequently. And really, when about only about uh, 28% of the dementia claims were being um, leading to an award, and these are claims which doctors had determined that the person had a certain level of dementia, uh, and yet 70% of the time they were being rejected, uh, that is when the, I believe the lawyers started to look more closely at how they were scored. And uh, I think to their surprise, realized that this race norming was occurring. So, um, Mary Claire, are you saying the physicians were not aware that the race norming practice was happening? I think they are. I think that it's actually up to them to do it. Uh, And again, the idea, I think physicians most often want to look holistically at a patient and, you know, bring in their uh, education. In other words, is this what they're seeing, you know, representative of who the person was? Uh, What's interesting about this case is that I think Ken and others would argue, you know, correctly, that the NFL players, black, white or other races, have more in common with each other than not, because most of them had three years of college. They may come from more similar than dissimilar backgrounds in some cases. But, uh, you know, the whole thing was meant to be a crude proxy for socioeconomic levels. But here you have a group of men who have a more similar background, again, than not. Mary Claire, that is so helpful. That reminder that race is a social construct. It's not norming based on blood type or some other kind of physiological reality. And in this case, right, there's every reason to think that the social grouping here is more relevant than any of the divides around race. So Ken, I want to come back to you on this a bit because the NFL is claiming that it's going to go back, review old claims. Do you think that's enough? Or are you and other retired players and families looking for something more? Well, we think that's a step in the right direction. Um, We are looking for more. We want, and I feel like if they don't provide us with all the demographic information of all the people who've been through the the regimen and all the testing to reveal what the true facts and the true numbers are, then we haven't really illuminated what they have done. And I believe if that information was in the NFL's favor, they would have released that information already. The NFL and their lawyers, their job is to reduce the exposure in the suit. I'm in the insurance industry. I work with big corporations as as much as I can. And it's always a fight between the client and the insurance companies as to what they're going to cover. And if there is a side door somewhere, the insurance companies will will exercise it. And um, given that the NFL, with Chris Seeger's capitulance, has um, put us in a terrible situation where we can't trust what they come up with at this point. When you talk about that, that side door, those multiple side doors, the lack of trust, I'm wondering if any of that is deterring young people and maybe their families from entering the league. Well, so it's really interesting. I talked to some, you know, very high powered folks at both the NFL and, and the NFL PA and, and not to name names, but to say, you know, as long as they're poor folks, they're going to be kids playing football. 
they call you all gladiators uh, for a reason, right? That same idea of, of sort of how, how it works for the public entertainment. Yes, yes. And we, we know it's a, you know, an extremely you know, violent game. Um, but you know, we know more about concussions now than we knew back when I played and certainly prior to that in the 70s and 60s. So the concussion protocols are better. I, I, I worry now that they're going to make it more difficult for all players to qualify under the suit, leaving them another side door. It's with this case not being transparent. And I think Mary Claire can speak to there is there will be more transparency. But um, with the way that the agreements were done prior to this, there was no transparency. So we don't really know what's being discussed. So, so that transparency question, let me come to you, Mary Claire, because that's precisely what media, what reporting, what social movements um, are meant to do is to bring some level of transparency to practices like this. Um, what will you be keeping your eyes on as, you know, you hear Ken here sort of talking about the, the fear of another side door? Um, how do you see your role in terms of reporting on this um, to, you know, to move towards practices of equity? Right. Well, very interestingly, the players filed this suit in 2020 after their uh, attempts to do it through the administrative process. Basically, the award fund had failed and the judge dismissed the suit this year on procedural grounds. But again, um, amongst the action and petition drive and publicity that people like Ken and his wife have taken part in, uh, the judge in a very, very unusual way uh, after dismissing the suit decided that it was very important and asked a magistrate to compile a report on it. And that report is now due Friday, this Friday. And that was sort of um, a new development. Initially, there was not a deadline for that report. And we are very much hoping Ken and others and the lawyers for the uh, more of the black players really want to see the data, the payout data by race and see uh, how often, what's the percentage of uh, successful claims by black players and versus white. And again, the NFL is now pledging to, uh, review those and correct anything that where a player did not get uh, an award that he would have had he been white. But um, I, you know, again, they will be fighting these claims probably because it's it's dollars and it's also reputational damage. Uh, but one note on that: if the settlement is likely to go beyond about a billion dollars, they've paid out about eight hundred million so far. But um, you know, to put that in perspective, I believe the NFL just signed a, a new, their latest uh, multi-year TV contract for 113 billion dollars. So um, the players would, I think, argue that they have the money to uh, right the, you know, the very serious brain injuries that people are suffering from. Uh, and I am going to leave it on that idea of 113 billion dollar television contract and a one billion dollar settlement for the players. Mary Claire Dale, legal affairs writer for the Associated Press and a former Neiman Fellow, and Ken Jenkins, a former Washington running back. Thank you both so much for talking with us through this. Thank, Thank you. you. It's been great to be with you. Thank you. But I'm going to start going back into the office um, two to three days a week in July. Now, ready or not, that day is coming for Bria Jones and for a whole lot of other workers around the metro area. And joining us today to discuss this issue is David Kaplan. He's a professor of management and the chair of the Department of Management at St. Louis University. David, welcome. Hi, thanks for having me today. David, so so many people worked in offices for decades and yeah. never really gave it a second thought. Why does feel it why does going back feel so hard for so many people? You know, it's been over a year. I mean, I've 
it's I think that's really the part of it. It's been long enough now that people, yeah, just got into the habit. So I mean, I guess there's a few different uh, factors that resulted. I think it's also important to preface all this saying we're talking about a segment of the work population, right? There's a lot of people who never had the luxury or the ability. Um, you know, there's so many essential workers that, you know, I, I feel I should just thank all the essential workers yeah. um, who have been doing all their time. Uh, but, you know, people like myself, I'm a, I'm a college professor. Um, I have a lot of um, friends and family and um, neighbors who are who work in offices. And those are the people we're talking about today. You know, some of it is you know, just like the uh, the the woman you just had talking, right? You save a lot of time and money, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, even for myself, it's like I was coming in. I'm like, oh, is there going to be bridge traffic? I didn't have to worry about bridge traffic for over a year. Uh, part of that is just the convenience. I mean, some people feel they could get a lot more done, you, you know, and I can control my hours, and I, you know, I don't have someone looking over my shoulder. Uh, but then there's also sort of the comfort, right? So. Uh, you know, do you shake hands? You, you, you know, uh, do you, you know, what's it like going to be in meetings again? You, you know, just sort of that sort of interactions, um, you know, you're going to be close. Like, you know, is it safe to come into the office, right? So there's mm-hmm. going to be a lot of people. That's another reason why. Is it going to be safe? Uh, are people vaccinated? And if they're not vaccinated, you know, what are those issues? And sort of that leads into the next issue. Uh, I personally have a six-year-old son. He can't be vaccinated. So um, is he going to be protected? Like, Or if you have someone else at home that you're caring for. And at the flip side or extension of that, do you have someone to watch the person who you've been caring for? Um, there's a lot of schools that haven't necessarily reopened. Uh, child care isn't easy. So I might be fine with coming in, but do I have that ability? Like, who's going to watch my son? There are so many issues around yeah. this. Like, as you as you sort of lay this out, it feels like something that we think of as one question. There's actually, like, eight questions exactly. that are a part of this year. You know, I saw this survey. This is a recent survey of 1,000 U.S. adults. It suggested 39% would consider quitting if their, employ- if their employer was not flexible about remote work. Yeah. That seems like a pretty high statistic right there. I, well, I think it is. And I was just actually, um, you know, reading another statistic. Um, I'll, I'll credit Sherm for this. Uh, the, they were publishing a survey or talking about it where people would give up um, a quite sizable raise. I think I might actually said $30,000 in order to work at home. $30,000? Yeah, That's a I, lot of money. I, I'm not sure I agree with that. I mean, you know, um, but heck, yeah, I mean, there is definitely a large monetary value to work from home. But also, a lot of people moved away. So I know some. a lot of people moved out of big cities like New York and, you know, hey, I can save a lot of money and also not be someplace that is in complete lockdown. Well, do you want me to come back to work? Like, am I moving back to New York? I mean, I sort of liked living wherever I was living remotely. And so, yeah, so some people, even if they wanted to, that would be yet again another reason. I can't physically come back to work. It is interesting. I, I'm not going to name names here, but I know at least two people who left the area that they were living mm-hmm. in. They didn't tell their boss, and they've been living cross-country. They've become very happy with their life. Yeah. They're waiting for the return to come back to the office as the moment of, I might have to quit this job. Yeah, and Exactly. And I think you're seeing that, too, that you see people that when they're being forced to come back um, – you know, maybe it's because they moved, maybe because it's comfort level that, you know, or maybe they've had a side gig, right? So that, you know, I've been working on this on the time. I really like how much time. What, why do I have to give this up or this has been going well? Yeah. Now this, now's the um, crunch point. You know, I'll stop doing uh, my main 
my day job. And so, yeah, I think there's all these factors that employers need to be aware about. So we got a voicemail from Catherine, who lives in University City, um, and she told us about her situation. Here's what she said. I got hired for a new job about a year ago, right in the midst of the pandemic. So there's no, like, returning to office for me. Um, I'm really kind of nervous about it. I'm going to the office, like, you know, full-time starting, I think, July 1st. And one of my pandemic hobbies is baking sourdough bread. And long story short, I'm kind of going to be sad because I can't wake up at, you know, you know 7 a.m. and start making some bread and, you know, do, like, my folds as necessary. So um, that's that. I'm kind of nervous about it. I don't really know any of my coworkers or, like, you know, what the office dynamic is. Um, and I'm going to miss baking bread. And that is Catherine from University City. David, hearing from Catherine first, my heart goes out to anybody who is going into the office for the very first time. That is such an anxiety-inducing situation on your first day in an office. It seems like it would be even weirder after you've been working with everybody for a year. Well, exactly. That's what I was going to say. I mean, these are your colleagues, but they're not your colleagues, so it's how to do it. Um, Although I would probably just say somewhat comically, but also honestly, bring a couple of loaves of bread. It's one really great. (laughs) <laughs> that would be really one great way to um, get people to start liking you. Uh, but, yeah, it's it's hard. I mean, I don't know. Um, you know, it's good. We actually also had in my department. So, again, I'm a department chair, so I'm a manager as well as someone who studies management. You know, she not only came to um, – started this year, but she moved to St. Louis, right? So, um, you know, we did our best um, to do it. We made sure that, you know, tried to do some – some chats and stuff, but it's it's hard. And, um, you know, yeah, you're a stranger, but not a stranger. But, you know, I think everyone is aware of that. I think everyone is, you know, should be making the extra effort. So um, I wish her luck. But yeah, you know, just treat it sort of like your your first day. Um, You know, hopefully um, go out to lunch with somebody, you know, make sure that you have some coffee time. Uh, But also try to do that ahead of time. I mean, there's if you've been working there for a year, you've obviously been working with someone closer than other people. And I would really recommend, you know, either having um, a Zoom uh, a Zoom coffee hour uh, or grab lunch or meet them at a park sometime before just so that mm-hmm. at least you have some human interaction before you actually show up in the office. That's a good idea to have that face-to-face, even if it's yeah. just with one person yeah. off-site. <laughs> this way you're not coming in completely cold. Yeah. I'm going to go to the phone lines. Uh, Jennifer is calling from Creve Coeur. Uh, Jennifer, hi. You're on St. Louis on the Air. Hi. Good afternoon. Yeah. Uh, thank you for joining us. I'm curious to hear about your situation. Well, I'm an HR manager who is actually responsible for the return to work site um, effort in my organization. And I'm very fortunate to have the luxury of having been able to work from home for the last you know, 15 months. Um, and I just wanted to say I really encourage employers, you know, to ask themselves the question, you know, why do we need people to come back? In some cases we do, but but it's not necessary. You know, if one thing the pandemic has taught us is that, you know, people can be trusted to do their jobs. Um, they can be trusted to do them outside of the confines of a traditional office. And from a talent, you know, pool perspective, we have an ability to not only retain the great talent we have, but also to attract new talent and better talent in, in some cases even more geographically than we did before because my organization is a mixture of in-office, completely virtual, and hybrid. Hmm. And giving employees the chance to decide which ones they want to be based on you know what's possible in their role 
is so important. And, and Jennifer, are you finding that people, as you guys gear up for this return, that there are some people who are excited to come back? Not as many as people think. Um, and, and I think that's, you know, because this has been, you know, not only one of the most stressful times in our lives, but it's also been a time where people have, you know, changed their patterns and their habits so that instead of work being the focus of their life, you know, they've, they've, they've now developed better, you know, in some cases, family routines, health and fitness routines. And, you know, better for the environment, for everybody not to be driving and sitting in traffic, which seems like a really ridiculous notion now. Jennifer, um, you, you make some good points there. And yet the part of me that used to manage a group of people, I'm thinking, do I really want my employees being focused on their fitness and their family when I want them to be working eight hours a day and be really intense about it? And I have a feeling I've just said something I'm not supposed to say here. This isn't how we're supposed to feel. But I, I don't know. I find myself reacting like, are they working on their fitness during office hours? Is that something that people like me need to let go of? But what, what do you think, Jennifer? I think it's a very small-minded attitude to have. Um, if you if you have employers that if you excuse me if you have employees that you can't trust to get the work done, then that's a bigger problem. It's not that their fitness or their families are getting in their way. And by the way, if if they are not taking care of their family and their own health, they can't be great employees anyway. So. You know, this is a time for us to think about employees, not just as workers, but these are human beings. And you've been able to manage pretty good work out of them for a long time without having them in the office. And so for me, you know, leaders who really put their foot down and say, oh, it has to be this way, they don't have any credibility anymore in that argument. Well, Jennifer, I, I feel very called out right now, but appropriately so. I appreciate you setting me straight there. You, uh, that perspective, I, I think, is really good. David, thoughts on that? Yeah. So, Jennifer, I really appreciate that you kept using the word trust because I think that's really the key thing that too many uh, managers don't have entrusted their workers. That's why they've been so resistant in the first place to telework. Um, but also, they, again, what you're talking about, work-life balance is so important, and then flex work. But again, if you sort of think about your commute time as part of your day, right, so I would leave home at 8 o'clock, I wouldn't get home at 6 o'clock, and I had a lunch hour, or, or lunch half hour, and I had break time, right? So I work at, I start working at 8 o'clock in the morning, and then I decide to do my workout at 11 o'clock in the morning instead of at 6 o'clock in the morning. I'm still giving you my, my eight hours. Um, and also... Jennifer, I don't know whether you've had this at, at your work, but there's a lot of meetings that could never happen or won't happen now um, in person because I had meetings that ended at 11 and meetings that started at 11. Like, it takes me 20 seconds to um, change from one Zoom to another Zoom. Uh, you know, it's going to take me time, even if it's leaving one meeting going to another, even if it's just saying hello, goodbye yeah. uh, to people. So there's a lot of things that in, in some ways that we can do a lot more when we're working remotely as long as we're able to manage our time. Jennifer, do you feel that overall your remote employees are just as efficient, just as effective as the people who've been uh, laboring at the office? No, I think they're more effective and more efficient. And I know for a fact that they're, they're oftentimes working more hours. And it may be that they're trading. You know, if they were commuting for an hour and a half a day, they might be just giving the team another 45 minutes of their commute time back in extra work and then using that other 45 minutes of commute time on taking a walk or, you know, having the time to focus on their face or, you know, making better, more nutritious meals or, you know, helping their kids with their homework. So 
I do think that if you're talking about managers who are, you know, feeling like they need to have people back in the office, I think that's a real wake-up call for people who are just really bad managers. Well, Jennifer, thank you for that perspective. Right now, VTA staff and local leaders are combing through personnel files of Sam Cassidy. He shot and killed nine of his co-workers on March 20, or May 26, rather, before turning the gun on, on himself. And then after initial review, VTA found four separate incidents involving Cassidy that were elevated to management. Crown Forest's uh, Taylor Bisaki joins us now live from the VTA rail yard now with more on this troubling story. Taylor? Well, it's a question that we all want to know and answer. Could we have predicted the behavior of Sam Cassidy and prevented this heinous mass shooting? Now, in its initial review, the VTA rail yard says that it hasn't found any formal disciplinary action when it comes to threatening or dangerous behavior. However, his records aren't squeaky clean. Now, I also spoke with a law firm today who conducts workplace investigations, and they say it's much more complicated beneath the surface. On Thursday, VTA released more than 200 personnel documents on employee Sam Cassidy, who shot and killed nine of his co-workers at the rail yard last month before killing himself. In a statement, VTA says, quote, So far, there is no indication of records in Cassidy's VTA personnel file of any formal discipline for threatening behavior or violence during his 20-year career at VTA. However, they did find four separate incidents involving Cassidy that were elevated to management, one of them being a verbal altercation in 2020 between Cassidy and a co-worker where another unnamed employee stated Cassidy quote scares me and if someone was to go postal it'd be him. You can imagine um, not just this year but last year recent years politics things going on in the world and then a pandemic on top of that it's made the workplace a stressful place and so people do make offhand remarks not all of them um, are indicators of potential violence. Vita Thomas is a partner at Oppenheimer Investigations Group, which is a law firm that conducts workplace investigations. In these situations, their group looks into past behavior and then turns this sort of information over to a threat assessor if deemed serious. Based on the limited information, Thomas says there are no glaring red flags, but violent behavior can be hard to predict. Human beings are very complicated creatures, and there are some people who can make all sorts of comments and never act on them. There are other people who say nothing and then out of nowhere engage in, in, in violence. In the other three cases brought to management, Cassidy was sent home for insubordination for not following company policy involving the use of their two-way radios. Cassidy also refused a mandatory CPR recertification class citing COVID-19 concerns. And lastly, documents show he left work without permission. In future instances, Thomas says employers should do a few things if any concerning behavior occurs. Make sure they have strong HR um, in individuals in the HR position who have good relationships with employees. When things are brought to their attention, take them seriously. At least do a preliminary investigation to figure out, oh, is this just a person who's having a bad day or is this something that might be a bit more serious? And then bring in those experts um, right away when when the facts indicate that this might be more than something minor. Now, VTA says it also hasn't found any documentation or history of Cassidy making racist or threatening remarks. Now, they also say that they never received any information from federal authorities, especially when it comes to that 2016 incident when he was stopped by Customs and Border Patrol. That's the latest here live. I'm Taylor Bissack, reporting. Back to you.
context of white supremacy. Lots of folks who are not doctors giving medical expertise. Haven't we had a, a deluge of that over the last year and a half? Man. Woof. Context of white supremacy. No disrespect to any medical experts out there if you are a doctor and all that. Gusty Renegade in for another broadcast, hopefully to share constructive information on the system of white supremacy. Today's date, Friday, June 11, 2021. So I have been told, <clears throat> warts and all, I think is how they uh, say it, the metaphor. I have spent uh, more than a decade, I think, at this point. Uh, bragging about Seattle and whoopee it's so great up here in the Pacific Northwest well we are days from the official start of summer and I think the daytime high today was 57 degrees I'm not sure what that is uh, Celsius but that seems like it'd probably be like maybe 10 degrees C somewhere around there that was our daytime high it was cloudy all day rained basically off and on all day long I think it's supposed to rain uh, throughout the weekend uh, this is Seattle weather June heading into summer and it's been like this more or less the entire spring warts and all not exactly the warmest place on the plantation there is a reason most of the houses here do not have air conditioning anywho Yes, while you all are using the AC, we will be turning the heat on. Hopefully it's on right now uh, for our June 2021. That notwithstanding, neutralizing workplace racism, this broadcast is not for spectators. Um, we can start before we even get to callers and all that. Now, I've mentioned throughout the 16-month period, like, hey, it's been lots of folks, uh, new gun owners, they've said, Many, many reports over the past 15 months and more uh, about uh, lots of folks have swarmed gun stores for lots of reasons over the past year and a half or so. <clears throat> and you've got lots of folks who are feeling disgruntled, anxious, angry uh, about their work environment or their financial situation or the vaccine. Lots of things. Right. Uh, and I said, hey, be mindful be alert about things in the workplace people if they're making comments seeming agitated uh, brandishing firearms or weapons or talking about firearms weapons violence things of that nature those are all what they call red flags should be documented reported take all that seriously now Samuel Cassidy white man uh, San uh, reportedly the San Jose uh, shooter uh, nine fatalities in that event and as I said before when I looked, I haven't seen birth certificates or anything like that, but when I looked, at least half, it was about four of those nine victims, looked like they would be classified as non-white to me. I could be in error, but they certainly didn't look like white people. That said, they reported initially, they said this guy had been complaining uh, about work. Uh, they said he had reported that he hated work. His uh, former spouse had said, man, this guy scares me. I think he has potential for violence. She had said that before because of his conduct, what she had seen up close being married to him. They came out this week and they said this was yesterday. They reported you heard the audio. They said, man, this guy has a documented history 
of insubordination and conflict and he worked for the transportation authority in the San Jose California area for a decade Mr. Fuller says he says white people don't get fired they get transferred this fella didn't even get transferred apparently what black person in our live listening audience or archive you can uh, email in can say hey I have left an entire record of troublemaking and brawls and arguing and conflict and non-compliance for a whole decade and I'm still hanging out there what black person can say that <laughs> like you can be non-compliant conflict for nine years and you're still hanging out there got all your benefits and everything else That is the system of white supremacy racism. And then come back and shoot up what to me looked like a substantial number of non-white people. Unless I've been misinformed, you all can look just like I did and see the, the victims uh, of Mr. Cassidy. Looks like he shot a lot of non-white people. And they said it looked like he might have been targeting uh, employee, folks that he had conflict with. Maybe I don't know. I say same thing that I've been saying before. Take all of that very seriously. If you work with anyone and it seems like they're angry like I said we've had people who said they have folks who they bring in like the guns and ammo magazine and have it on the top of their desk and what have you and are talking with other co-workers about clocks and 9 millimeters and going to the fire range and blah 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 and all this other stuff and or uh, bringing their firearms to work with them matter of fact I remember back of the bus and Gus started the cows 2007 right here Washington Uh, I remember him talking about there was a suspected racist white man uh, co-worker that he worked with right when we started out and he said that this white fella would bring in his uh, concealed carry permit like in a kind of veiled way threatening him you know talking about you want to do all this talking about racism and white supremacy you know you got dangerous white people around here me being one of them type of a thing like man all of that and again like I said I would bring this to the attention of human resources, your supervisor, whomever powerful white people who have the ability, have the power to make things happen. I would bring it to their attention and I would use the words professionalism, workplace safety. I would have, you know, report about Mr. Cassidy as well, because it's been so many of these incidents like, yeah, are we doing everything that we can to promote a professional, safe work environment question? that's all anybody who's I don't care about that write that down and then I would for sure like we have got to get out of here like I do not want to be in any work environment where uh, people in charge scoff at the notion of workplace safety and a potential threat and or violence not the type of place that you want to work at and while you are forming your transition plan and maybe either way you should even be thinking like, man, what's the escape route? If something happens, boom, this is where the exits are. This is how I'm going to get out. That's what I did when I, the, the most dangerous environment that I worked in, which sad to say, ATL, the black comedy club where there was only one white person who worked there. Everybody else was classified as black. Uh, but that was easily, and I mean, no contest, easily the most dangerous environment that I Uh, worked at uh, for more reasons that I have time to explain but that environment I did 
while I was working on my transition and even before I had already mapped out like multiple exit strategies. And in fact, that environment, we were on a upper level. Uh, you had to use the elevator to get actually out to exit the building. Uh, so I said, man, it could be a situation where you get stuck. Uh, you can't get to the elevator. You can't get to the stairs either way. So also had to come up with a contingency plan for that. Like where's the best spot where you can kind of hunker down uh, until enforcement officials arrive or whatever, until it's clear when you can get out. Like you might have to do that too, seriously, because you know, some people do work in environments like that where it, it, it might not be easy uh, to extricate yourself. So you have to take that into consideration as well dangerous times many reasons quickly the other clips before we get to the folks uh, who dialed in the first clip I think I either played the audio or we talked about it the concussions and the white supremacy racism with regard to what they call it is race norming even pause that was Melissa Harris Perry I was stunned like whoa MHP I remember back when uh, we had victims of racism who accused her of, of being the the cause and guilty of damnation and, and confusion amongst non-white people when she had her uh, eponymously named show on uh, MSNBC not that long ago. Anywho, Melissa Harris Perry, cowbell I think there too, uh, but she was talking uh, about the so-called race norming and even explaining what that is. Negras starting out with poor cognitive abilities to begin with, our little pecan-sized Negro brains, uh, so they're not given as much or maybe not given anything. Uh, you know, how can you damage the Negro brain? It's nothing to start with. Damage, come on now. Uh, but explaining that they're going to do away with all of that, and, and I mean the finances of it. I appreciate in the segments that, hey, Deuce Staley, Philadelphia's, uh, Philadelphia Eagles, there we go, city of brotherly love, uh, and saying, hey, <laughs> we are overpowered. And even uh, in the interview, MHP, she started to say feeling you're overpowered. And then she had to pause it. That's not feeling. These folks just signed a $113 billion contract. That's not feeling overpowered. You are overpowered. That's not that they have more privilege. They have way more power than us. And I'm a little brain damaged. So my mind, my thinking, my brain computer isn't even operating at top capacity at this point jeez like man oh man there would be no banning football and they talked about you're supposed to be a gladiator as long as you have poor people like man talk to your children have them listen if they are into football and all that you can't just watch Sunday night football and all that like oh yeah and goo over Tom Brady and all that oh no 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 you got to see now, what do these folks look like? What does the retirement package look like for NFL? That's the way you make an evaluation of the career. Like what kind of benefits and all that? Like, what is it? Are they going to take care of me for my career? Now, once we get done with all the lights and everything and we start looking at now, how do they take care of us? And it's, whoa, I got brain damage and all this. Not to mention, I might need a hip replacement, a knee replacement, all the rest of this. Uh, and then you go to them and, hey, man, you know, I played, we did all this, Kansas City Chiefs, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Ah, uh, yeah. Uh, I don't know. We're kind of hurting. We'll, and they say, we'll fight you tooth and nail. They're aggressive. You know, we don't want to give you a nickel. Like, you just got $113 billion. Yeah, we, 
inflation, you know, we got to buy masks, Rona vaccines, got costs, expenses. We can't just be giving out money willy-nilly to all you brain-damaged niggers. No football. It would be for real. Find another sport. That's something people could have worked on during the pandemic. Find another sport. Like that's what every that should be the first thought that pops in your mind, like brain association, football, brain damage, football, brain damage, Super Bowl, brain damage, Tom Brady, brain damage, anything related to football, brain damage. That's the way the brain computer should operate. Like we have nothing to do with any of that. We don't even need the Rooney rule because we are getting out of the football business. Let's see. The other report, uh, the returning to work. Now, we did have some cows listeners who, you know, did not have to go to work per se over the past year. But we had lots of folks who that was not even an option uh, hanging out and being at home. All of that said, at this point, like, man, lots of work environments, obviously not every place uh, that you work, delivery drivers, uh, truck drivers in general, those types of folks. Obviously, you're not going to be able to work remotely, but for a lot of people like what they're calling the hybrid work experience and maybe you come in two days a week maybe you come in three days a week that type of thing like man if you can take advantage finagle it in any way shape form do so like there have been so many people and reports talking about wow this is you know might permanently shift the way business is done for so many reasons you heard them in the report they were talking about for some people this means uh, nixing that commute at least two or three days a week and other things that just eat up lots of time and just trying to get in transit to and from work, all the wasting of time and having to talk to this person and that person in the hallway, getting to and from your desk and all of that. Like if you can get anything, even one day a week, like I said, like take it, see if you can negotiate. If anybody, if you're in the process of transitioning, looking for new employment, anything like that, see what you can negotiate. Is it possible in your field where you can be at home? As I said, at least one, two, three, whatever you can get, you know, number of, of days a week, uh, like anything that is going to improve your work experience, make it a little bit more comfortable for you, make it safer. You heard also in the segment, people, some people saying that they felt more productive, didn't have to engage in as much uh, silliness in their work environment. They could just go in, be efficient, not have people nagging them and talking about silliness. We've had so many people over years uh, on the cows talking about that, having uh, both uh, suspected racists and victims talking to them about goofiness, television show uh, programs and what what flavor of sprinkles do you like on your ice cream and just goofiness, not having to deal with any of that. I can put on my footies, go to my little work area that I've, you know, cobbled together, what have you, get my work done. And that's that. Kudos to the folks if you've been able to do that. If you can, like I said, if you can continue it in some way, grand. Hopefully it won't have to end, you know, totally. Uh, if you've enjoyed that to some degree, uh, stockpile those uh, mental health days, take a break if you are going back to the workplace. Incidentally, I thought it was, I don't even know what, what the correct descriptor would be for it in that segment. And they were talking about some people feeling, I guess, some sort of anxiety if they've been away from the office or wherever, and now you're going back to that work environment and feeling anxious and, oh my God, and they were giving tips, you know, trying to meet maybe one or two people before going back into the workplace, have a coffee so it won't be such a big shock, you know, 
I guess that's a good idea. That's reasonable. And then they also said, uh, bring some loaves of bread. I just thought, what? <laughs> like, I, I, I mean, I even had to be like, do I need to rewind that? He said, bring some loaves of bread. Like I said that for multiple reasons. Like one, I've never seen that in a work environment. Like loaves of bread. Like I've seen them bring bagels. Uh, I'm even thinking like, I'm not even sure if I've seen them bring toast. <laughs> like I've seen, I think I've seen biscuits, but that's kind of rare. Bagels all the time. Donuts all the time. Scones a few times here and there, a little more refined. Uh, but I mean, loaves of bread? No, I've never seen that. And I thought we were, what they call returning to normal. I thought they were discouraging all of that for the past 12 months. Like, we don't need to hop back into that. Like, let's all bring in, I don't know if it's bread that you've made or uh, that you went and purchased. And then somebody has to slice up and divvy it up or, you know, whatever. Like, I'm good on all of that. Um Hey, what's up? <laughs> How you doing? I'm a big fan of, of getting away from, if anything, we can use this of distancing ourselves from bringing food uh, to work. We did not come to this job to eat together, uh, particularly after all this. Like, no. How you doing? Everybody looks great. Glad you didn't do that, Rona, uh, the Rona 20 and eat yourself to death over the past 15 months. Let's get to work. Business as usual. Uh, let's see the email until justice at gmail.com until justice at gmail.com this is not a spectator broadcast uh, if you have any suggestions especially anything that will work well like if this helps uh, if you have nosy co-workers or if you have non-white people that name call you and distract you talking about silly things anything uh, that would help victims of racism solve problems without creating new problems share like this is not the time to just be twiddling your thumbs feet propped up uh, on a cushion listening in like sharing as I said especially sharing constructive tips that might help out a fellow victim in a work environment the number is 720-716-7300 the code five six four nine four three pound press star six one if you would like to participate email until justice at gmail dot com uh, see we had a person who wrote in uh, missed this one just making sure I don't fall behind on the emails a uh, person wrote in they said a suggestion or thoughts on going to a yoga class in the building that I work in the property manager a white woman gives a free yoga class once a week I'm not sure if co-workers will be there I was thinking about going as a way of doing some counter racism observation the same white woman gives movie night once a month that's free and I plan to go to that more updates later uh, if one number one, if you want to do some counter racist observation, I always think that that's you know a plus. That's great. Uh, observe, learn, see who's there. Um, you know, is it constructive? Uh, no, pro- you already know you're not going there for entertainment purposes, and you know this is not a party and that sort of thing. Uh, so you already know that. So you know if you have a code, you want to go observe and learn. Thumbs up. Might even be a great yoga class. Uh, you can go get some exercise. Uh, and see how that goes. Um, if it's 
the movie night thing. I guess that'd be the same thing. I'd probably have a code uh, about the movie night. If you could maybe bring one person with you and y'all could sit together, um, observe, take notes. I always think it's cool for that type of thing. You can have the one person yoga class should be done, you know, 45 minutes to an hour, whatever you'll be out of there. Uh, the movie night thing, any, anything odd, uh, happens. If you need an escape plan, if you have the other person there, they can help fend off any unwanted, uh, encroaches and if something happens then they can help with the oh man something came up uh, we had a family member who needs some help really quick just gonna go check on them it's no big deal but just gotta make a trip uh, thanks so much for having us over and we'll see everybody at work enjoy the rest of the film that type of thing but nothing wrong I don't see a problem with uh, counter racist observations uh, in a workplace setting nothing uh, nothing incorrect about that at all uh, let's see other emails oh that report should I read the report now? I'll share a little bit from um, the report now, and then I'll read the other emails later. Uh, this is in the New York Times uh, just the past couple of days. Workplace harassment in the age of remote work. Now, I talked about the violence because they've had so many shooting incidents. Uh, uh, Samuel Cassidy, the white fella in Indiana. Uh, they've had so many of these uh, over the past year or so. Uh, and I've just talked about the conduct, the gun buying, all of that. Now they are saying, hey, even with people being on Zoom and what have you, the harassment has continued. Uh, so I won't read the whole report. I'll just give a little flavor of it. Uh, they write, since the start of the pandemic, employees have felt as if online environments are the Wild West, where traditional rules do not apply. I'm so not surprised. Last spring, as offices closed around across the country and kitchen tables became desks, contemplating the possible upsides of the new professional conundrum felt like a means of survival. There was much tumult and there were many questions among them once we all became boxes on Zoom or text bubbles in a chat. And once we were physically separated from colleagues and clients, would incidents of workplace harassment drop? that flame quickly went dark. Kalpana Kotago, a partner of Cohen Milstein in the Civil Rights and Employment Group, says workplace harassment of any kind occurs when an employee uses protected characteristics, things like race, gender, sexual orientation, seniority, or socioeconomic status to hold power, not privilege, over a colleague or staff member. The result is a so-called hostile work environment, a workspace that feels unsafe, can feel threatening to someone's identity, or inhibit employees from doing their work. Words can be harassing, images can be harassing, and threatening behavior can be harassing, whether it's in person or not, Ms. Kotago said. What surprised many was the extent to which remote work made it easier for some employees to exert power over those who were comparatively vulnerable. That's because the channels through which remote work occurs, text, phone, video, are often unmonitored, unrecorded, or occur outside employer-sponsored platforms. Knowing that no one's watching can embolden foul play. I would say get away from those type of metaphors in a workspace they kept saying backdoor in the NFL compensation uh, piece uh, and in my view just trying to be specific with words precise with words that they're going to use some sort of means whether it's discretion legal illegal if they can find some sort of means 
so that they do not have to compensate us I think that's a little bit more precise you probably even do better than that but just saying that's more precise than they're going to use a back door same thing with this one here uh, foul play that's a baseball metaphor we're not talking about baseball softball or ball game uh, we're talking about the power dynamics of white supremacy racism uh, and abuse incorrect treatment subordination lots of different ways uh, that they can you know label this as opposed to a game continuing in an in-person in-person office setting bystanders can be a source of protection if they are trained able or brave enough to speak up Ms. Cotago said but working from home deprives us of witnesses the colleague who may otherwise overhear an off comment an off com what does that mean what's an on comment in the office is not present when we're all on call at home complicating things is the air of informality around workplace communication which increased with the shift to remote work during the pandemic since the start of the pandemic employees have felt as if online environments are the wild wild west the quote where traditional rules do not apply said jennifer brown a diversity and equity and inclusion expert and the co and the founder of jennifer brown consulting white woman that can exacerbate misconduct especially given how difficult it can be to discern intent from text stripped of tonal cues and pandemic imposed stress compounded these realities we know that stress impacts manipulative behavior making people more likely to snap or quickly get angry miss brown said so if we already have our filters down in this more informal online environment and we're being careless because we're under a lot of pressure it's a recipe for disaster give our last uh, session here it says according to a Deloitte survey women at work mostly white women I suspect a global outlook 52% of women have experienced some form of harassment or microaggression in the past year ranging from the belief that their judgment is being questioned because they are women to disparaging remarks about their physical appearance communication style race sexual orientation or caregiving status women of color and LGBTQ women were significantly more likely to experience these non-inclusive behaviors I just want to say for the record someone making a disparaging comment about your race whatever that means or any of these other things these are not non-inclusive behaviors this is abuse insubordination harassment I mean this long list of terms non-inclusive behaviors white people are the best hands down at pussyfooting obfuscating deliberately using words to cover up what we're talking about I'll stop there they have more details but all I can say man for the online activities I would say press the record button you can capture your screen if it's a zoom meeting you can capture it with the audio if you just want to get the audio that's fine too but you can capture all of that I think they have record features uh, for a lot of the apps that do the recording so everybody can have a recording of what took place incidentally I would ask any zoom meetings should be recorded that way if there's any report allegation of incorrect behavior 
it's recorded everybody has access uh, to the video so we can check it out see what happened if there's any misbehavior there's been so much misbehavior they just put Jeff, uh, Jeffrey Tubin back on CNN this week he didn't get fired we just said white people don't get fired my man uh, Samuel Cassidy insubordinate and full of conflict for a decade still on the payroll Jeff Tubin got his penis out on the zoom still on the CNN payroll what does it mean to be white? Let a wrinkle James have his pants unzipped and see what happens. Anywho, uh, press either make sure you can do your own record. I would do both. In fact, record using your own device. And then if it's not already, see if it can be standard practice. Anytime there is a Zoom meeting, press record. We might have someone who missed the meeting. That way we have a record. They can go back and get the notes. We might have an allegation. As I said, anytime there's a Zoom meeting, press record. Text message, you'll already have that. You can save it, screenshot it, all that good stuff to keep a record. But what I said would be documentation and keeping my composure. And you can even maybe do this in a preemptive manner. I said this a long time ago. When you're on, uh, if it's text message, if that's the way that you're having to communicate or Zoom or whatever it is, you're not talking to your homies. You're not talking to your girlfriend, your boyfriend, your children. You're talking to your coworkers. Some of them probably suspected race soldiers. This is not the time I want to show off how many emojis I can incorporate into my messages. That's not what this is. This is not all my laws and WTF and all that. That's not what this is. Like, I'm not saying that you have to every time you write, you got all your semicolons and apostrophes and all that. But I mean, hey, I'm not talking. As I said, to, these are not my friends. I'm still very much using text or whatever it is, messaging in a workplace capacity. And I, that helps to keep you out of trouble right there, too. And getting too loose uh, and lax with what's being said, because you never know. They, they said here things can be taken out of context. So that's not going to happen. I'm not on here and sending gifts and all that other that I eat. Morning, Ted, Melissa, whomever you're talking to. Let's get to the topic. Boom, boom, boom. Not going to be any ambiguity and all that because, yeah, I'm not talking as though this is my free time and I'm just kicking it with the homies. That's not what this is. I might be at footies. I might be at the kitchen table or wherever I'm working at, but this is still work. And you can suggest that in advance if you're seeing that where people are on chat and all that and being a little loose and all that, like let's make sure we we're still conduct or communicating in a professional workplace manner uh, so that things don't devolve uh, into something where it's going to cause problems, interfere with our efficiency. Right on. Uh, let's see. Number again is seven two zero seven one six. 7300 decode 564-943-POUND. Press star 61 if you would like to participate. Let's see. We'll hit the phone line, see if folks have commentary to share. Hopefully, uh, we will not have folks who are just hanging out, spectating like life has been grand. If things have been that grand, same thing I've said before, like, ooh-wee, let us know, share how in the world were you able to accomplish this? But let's see, folks who dialed in with a hand up, uh, Irie, hand up, line should be open, should be there. 
Uh, greetings, hello, hotel. Um, what was the question? I'm sorry. <laughs> what was the question again? Because I was following and then I lost track. Uh, let's see. Uh, we got. Uh, wow, we had a bunch of them. I guess one, if anybody out there, I don't know if this applies to you. The first question was if we had any black people, if you have been able to be insubordinate and full of a troublemaker, we'll say, full of conflict with your colleagues and stay employed at that job where you have like a documented history, reputation, as they say, for being insubordinate and in conflict with your coworkers, share how you did it. That was one question. Uh, and then we oh, also. Okay. Oh, I thought you might have said that was me. So, like, let us know how you did that, Ira. Uh, that was one question. Uh, and so then uh, we also just uh, with the, I guess, workplace situation, if we do have people uh, who've been working remotely and returning to workplace, always interested in that as well, uh, and how that transition, what that's looking like for a person who are, you know, getting back out in the environment, how that's going. Other than that, if you either have uh, tips, problems, either or, feel free to share. Okay, so I'll share two things. Um the first is I have reported Saturday that I was engaged in a four wall method with an organization, got at, um got some insights from the retired firefighter and was attempting to be um you know, practice the code in this forum. I have um resigned from this um attempt. Um there were some uh inappropriate sexual advances that um, ended up happening where um, I figured, no, this definitely isn't going to work um, now that this person, the person that they put in charge, felt um, lax enough to do that. And I also, I did tell the person that they should be more serious because this is a um, an attempt to replace, you know, racism with justice, and that's a serious measure for anyone to, to even claim. Um, I did advise the group with some constructive um, information um, with steps on how to do it, why, and what the, con- you know, what what's in the book, what the constructive result would be. And um, they really asked me um, at the meeting not to go. And they basically offered to pay me for what I was volunteering to do. And I told them I'd have to think about it and if I did, I would do it remotely, um, and I would only be um, constructing their um, filing system, their archiving and filing system, and um, designing um, their paperwork, you know, like their forms and stuff, because that's what I also do as a graphic designer. Um, I was somewhat hurt that I wasn't able to stick it out, I guess people would say, and but I also told them, you know, I, I, according to the code and according to my own personal constitution, I'm not going to leave a situation like this without leaving um, a path or a solution. You know, I'm, I didn't just leave. Um, but it, it, it literally um, drained my body to the point that uh, my voice is already um, honestly deep. I, I'm definitely a tenor this week. And... When I started noticing the physical effects on my sleep, my voice, um, my stress levels, um, just being really irritable and also feeling um, very confused um, in the in the sense we talked about, um, 
I, I, I said it's best to let it go. And I also told them that they needed to pursue education with the compensatory code themselves because everything that's in the book is what I witnessed. And I said, I'm sure you, if you read it, you'll see that you've witnessed it too. Um, so if you're going to keep doing this, you have to be codified and you have to you have to be aware that you all are starting to mistreat each other and we can't say we're against racism and white supremacy if we mistreat other black people. And I also told them that I thought they were being set up because um, they were given um, a grant prematurely when they had no plan. Um, and I know that's what we talk about all the time, just in like leaving your house, like you said, leave with a plan, at work have a plan. Um, and they had no plan for what they were going to do for other black people um, as far as replacing justice or even just giving them a refuge, um, a safe, you know, space, quote, you know, uh, cliche they use now, but it's true, you know. Um, so that, that's that. That's what I wanted to report. Um, uh, the other thing is now I have to, I'm a, I'm trying not to take too much time. But technically, when I was in the military, I would have been considered a troublemaker. But I was a troublemaker not because of myself doing things that were troublesome or incorrect, according to their code, even. It was basically because I was black in the military. And because I saw what was happening, I had to... Like I said before, I had to familiarize myself with the UCMJ, which uh, kind of gave me a pretext to learning law, which I ended up teaching myself once I got out and needed to use, um, not necessarily, again, because I was in trouble, but because I was in legal situations in which I couldn't afford an attorney and I needed to, I needed to pursue um, due process and justice. So what what ended up happening was, like, I was pregnant in the military. I shared that. Um, I had um, low energy because I was pregnant. I was also stressed out because of my um, attempted marriage at the time. And so I had a non-white staff and CO accuse me of what the UCMJ called malingering. And so she... um, wrote me up for it, but it wasn't, like, on the record. I had to do some crazy stuff, like write write a paper on personal responsibility. And then I turned it in. And then later, what happened was um, when, the, when the hurricane happened, because I was stationed in New Orleans, they were sending us to Texas. Um, once they knew there was no way we could go back, I told my command like clearly I said, listen, I am going to report in but I need three days to get my relatives my relatives, which was my mom and my grandmother, from Mississippi since I'm already in Louisiana and then I'll report to Texas. They wanted me to go to Texas first. Drive from Shreveport to Fort Worth, then go back to Mississippi, y'all, like, <laughs> with my son, with my husband, and then drive back to Texas and report in. And I I argued logic. I said, this is not 
It makes no sense. Just let me go get them, and then I'll come. And so the the officer, you know, I spoke with, he called me in turn because I told this to um, some staff in Seattle, and he called me, and he said, no, you need to be here. I said, with all due respect, sir, I'm going to get my family. I will report in, and we will have it out when I get back. I will I will ask for court-martial specifically because you are telling me you are not going to allow me to retrieve my my." and then come in like this is the military we're here to save people actually and we've been directly affected because i'm not just stationed in new orleans this is my hometown so do you think this is something that will make you look good and yes that would be considered belligerent but i said it because it was logical i said it with respect that he was due in that position and me and mine and then because of that, and I suppose my upfrontness and being honest, he gave me the 72-hour turnaround. Yes, it was also done with the hope. I heard hearsay that I wouldn't make it in time. Like they were waiting for me to be an hour late, and then they were going to charge me with unauthorized absence. Well, guess what? I made it within like 50-something because, you know, I believe in God. I believe in the Creator, and it I knew I could make it happen. I just needed to give myself a window of time to do so. Once we were there, they kept picking with me, and so they put a, a white female. They gave her rank over me um, because I actually had higher rank and time and service on her, so they went in ahead and promoted her above me, a grade above me. And so she started talking to me like she had lost her ever-loving mind. I have no other way to put it. And I was tired of it. And I told her, listen, you just got in the Marine Corps. And it doesn't matter if you have that extra rocker or Chevron or whatever it is. I'm going to tell you something. I'm still a person. And you don't know what I'm going through. And I am not going to stand for discrimination. That's what I called it back then because that's what I knew it was. So what happened was they didn't know I had already reported my command to the command, the uh, the command at the Navy base, well, the detachment, Marine detachment. I just went ahead and said, you know what, I need to talk to a sergeant major. <laughs> okay. Did I skip the chain? I absolutely did because my chain and my purview was corrupted. And so Sergeant Major started talking to Sergeant Majors, and by the time this female um, NCO got in my face, they didn't know these processes that happened. So she went ahead and tried to charge me with something, and then I guess they got told by someone that, you know, is the highest you can go as an enlisted service member, you know what, let it go. And then after that, a few months went by. We were back in New Orleans. I put in for early, um, or what they call terminal leave, which is when you get out of the military um, on leave. I'm sorry if it's taking too much time. And they granted it with no argument. But it's slightly different than I'm guessing what you wanted were asking. But that is, I feel like it did fit that that question. I was considered a troublemaker according to racist man and woman.
Um, and yeah, I did, by the grace of the Creator, the Divine, not get severely punished like they wanted wanted to. And I'll mute my line. Thank you. Much obliged, uh, Irie in Louisiana. Uh, let's see. I'll see if I can respond to both portions uh, of your commentary. I guess with the, we'll go with the latter. We'll go with the latter. Uh, your military uh, experience, just for the listeners, uh, that is not Mr. Samuel Cassidy, the white man reported shooter in San Jose, California. He specifically, this was not where he was a one-time, once-in-a-lifetime, uh, what they call, well, I was going to say natural disaster, but those levees, that was not a natural disaster. So let's try this again. Uh, that was not even one time. So dealing with a massive white man and woman made disaster with the levee failure and hurricane and toxic flood waters. Uh, dealing with this enormous event where who knows how many people died, at least a thousand. Um, I'm trying to do the best that I can to save life and, and limb. That's not Samuel Cassidy at all. Ten year record of insubordination and conflict. That was the specifics of his being a troublemaker. So, yeah, this does not this isn't that at all. Not even close. Uh, as I said, again, if we got any black people, you have a, a 10 year record of hanging out and being employed someplace with a record documented of insubordination and conflict with your peers. Let us know how you did it. My bad. No, 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 no problem. Just making sure we still don't have anyone who's qualified yet for that one. I mean, that I feel like is lofty. Woof. Anywho. Uh, and the insubordination part in particular, because she she just said, like, hey, I was trying to follow the rules, you know, like I was going to get the UCMJ. What are the rules? What are the statutes? What time am I supposed to be back? Oh, OK, I'm going to make sure that I get back oh, and, and save, you know, my family as best I can get out of this uh, levy failure. Get the heck out of here and the hurricane as well uh, and still get back on time. You know, I'm trying to follow the rules. That's not being a troublemaker. That's not being insubordinate. Samuel Cassidy was insubordinate. Uh, but all that said, I love the term uh, malinger, and that term comes up so frequently in the system of white supremacy where black people are accused of malingering. Generally, it won't be like a 21st century, but I mean, you'll go back, you'll find like black people who were lynched, and that was the charge malingering. <laughs> like, come on. <laughs> like, uh,. Woof. Just being a black person is dangerous anywhere in the known universe in the system of white supremacy. Uh, all of that said, uh, job well done, uh, black self-respect, I would call that in uh, standing up for yourself and then still using uh, well, I was going to say policy and procedure, but that's what it is. The UCMJ policy and procedure. Same thing. Uh, and asking a question. That's all, you know, counter racism. Even she said, looking back, I wouldn't call it a discrimination, but same thing. Racism, white supremacy. Uh, all of that said, malingering aside, the first response, like, wow. Uh, wow. <laughs> like, I feel like she just called in. I mean, it feels like minutes ago. It was last week, but 
you know, she just, I feel like I just literally sent Irie the email. Like she said, oh man, I'm trying to do uh, this experiment and, and, you know, test out this four wallism, see if I can make it a little bit more constructive. And I'm going to talk to a retired firefighter. We're working with these children and how I can present these concepts. Like it, literally, it feels like it was just five minutes ago. She said she was, you know, going to try out all this. And wow, that quickly things have have gone so non-constructive and not by her own doing, but just, you know, what she what she observed. Um, like, I don't even, I had, let me see if I, I pulled it correctly. Let's see, because Mr. Fuller said that he said that years ago. And I mean, like way back, like first year that the cows was in existence. He said that 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 was one of his early conclusions that and it pfft, did I get the correct. Let's see if I got it correctly. So, you know, that's that, uh, you know, we have to learn to be codified. I mean, staying focused. See what I mean, that's what that means. Staying focused, not be just hopping all over the place. Do the same thing the same way every time. That's what codification is. Say the same thing over and over again. You know. And always know the reason why you're doing something. Somebody invites me to a party, I say, what for? You know? Now, I'm going to give you kind of a vulgar illustration of what I meant. Some years ago, I was down in a meeting that was supposed to be about black people, Student National Medical Association, helping the black students get through medical school. That's what it was about. Uh, it was uh, sponsored by the pharmaceutical, a number of pharmaceutical companies. I did know that. So they had, you know, lots of money to spend on it. And uh was down in New Orleans. We were down on Canal Street and whatnot in a big hotel and whatnot. The thing's going to last about a week. So I noticed that a lot of time was spent. People was down there in, you know, the ballroom area, just kind of gliding around all dressed up and walking around with champagne glasses and all the rest of it, okay? So... I'm just looking at people and whatnot. I said, now, what are we here for? That's what I'm asking myself. Here to come up with formulas and whatnot, codification, really, for how we're going to get black students into med school and, and get them completed, and, you know, and get them funded, all this stuff. That's what all this is about. This is the purpose for being here. But what I'm looking at is a lot of people having what they call a good time, see what I mean? But that's not what has been announced, okay? See, I don't have anything against that, but see, do what you do what you say you're there for, okay? So, some black guy, we were about three of us standing there talking, we standing there talking in the lobby, see, and I was trying to find the lady who had brought me down there. And so that I could ask her when would I going to get another talk, because I'd made about a thirty-minute talk, and that had been the day before, and it looked like I was going to be down the rest of the week, and I wasn't going to get another chance to talk, because see, I'm all business when I'm on these, you know. So, and that was years ago. Okay, now, so one guy came up, and he, he we were just standing there looking at the people. I mean, just gliding across the you know the room and whatnot, chandeliers and all that. And uh, the guy said, 
there was about three of us standing there talking. So one guy, he might have been a little tipsy. I mean, he said, you know, man, there's some fine bitches around here, man. I'm some fine broads. Say, man, I'm looking at them, man. I'm going to get me one of them and take them up in my room, you know. <laughs> and, yeah, I'm going to fuck one of these girls, you know. And he was just talking, so he was just standing there kind of listening to him. So finally he drifted off. And the guy standing there talking to me because we had been talking about the racial thing and all like that. And so he kind of hesitated and didn't say nothing. And I didn't say nothing. We kind of stood there for a moment because the guy had drifted off. Now he's gone on and off. Mm-hmm. I guess trying to chase one of them women he was talking about. So the fellow who was standing there said, you know what? He said, that's the only motherfucker that knows who he's, what he's here for. <laughs> <laughs> Gliding around here, I mean, profiling and whatnot. He ain't got no idea what they're here for. <laughs> See, now he's half tipsy, but he know what he's here for. See, he ain't shamming. <laughs> you know, he's considering all the rest of this profiling as a bunch of nonsense. Mm-hmm. He's gonna get him one of them women, and he's heading for the hotel room upstairs on the <laughs> elevator as soon as he possibly can. <laughs> wow. See, everybody else walking around here acting like they're doing something. A whole week of acting, <laughs> trying to solve black people's problems. <laughs> Say, no, man, they ain't here to solve nothing. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get me a woman to get up here in that bed and lock the door. <laughs> <laughs> and that bell rang with me instantly because I, I knew that he was telling it like it was. <laughs> That's the only MF here. And know what he's here for. <laughs> so now that's not exactly the truth, because that's what what I was there for. But I mean, you know, but I got the point. Right. Yeah. See, and it's a lot of that that has been going on down through the decades. But now, like I say, now I ain't got nothing against you know people relaxing and all like that. But I'm saying, make it clear what you're doing. You know, codification is about Clarity. Man. Precision. Clarity. Said those words a few times already today. ProduceJustice.com. Neely Fuller Jr. I think that was from 2010. Way, 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 way back. Cal's Archive. All of that said, like, that is major points from the first point that I remade like in every way. Cause he said he was down in new Orleans, Louisiana. So we got boop, double there. Uh, and then we get sidetracked. We're supposed to be here. Races. Even you take three on that one. Like, man, we're in the midst of all this with COVID-19 and all this, man, we still don't have enough black doctors. Like apparently we still have not developed a great code on getting black people through medical school. That'd be helpful to have that program. Now, if it was going to be appropriately, focused maybe not in new orleans uh but so we got that and then we're supposed to be focused on the problem our cosmic assignment we have drifted off into number two that's exactly what i just said that very common in the workplace efforts to replace white supremacy with justice one and the same frequently uh 
make it what is it cut it at the knees even if it's another non-white person I know we've talked about this before with some sort of sexual inappropriate behavior in a workplace setting uh, if it's a, a white person as opposed to a non-white person I know some people said they have a, a slightly different code uh, where with a non-white person uh, they might talk to that person directly and see if they can solve the problem without having to involve white people I know some people say hey I do the same thing every time that's just what it is you should behave yourself in the workplace absolutely all of that said cut it at the knees whatever you do like immediately that is not something that you want to allow to fester because that will get really not can that will get really bad and sometimes quickly uh, if that is allowed to escalate so black self-respect and we talk about that all the time like making sure that you practice that because it's so common what you're going to say if someone touches you or if they say something inappropriate like do not ever speak to me in that manner do not touch me whatever you know practice it you can even get some people if you want to participate uh, if you have you know spouse attempted husband tempted wife whatever it is practice you know so you can kind of go through hear yourself saying it uh, see yourself you can do the muscle movement of snatching your arm away or whatever it is if a person tries to grab you but this is so common unfortunately regardless of if you're in an environment of other white people or non-white people so I'm so sorry you had to experience that and trying to offer constructive information uh, to help black children but I mean frequently victims of racism we get sidetracked we are not serious we are not focused on the problem we get off into other things part of why Mr. Fuller talks about the four-wallism generally does not work out uh, as for uh, leaving and then them being so distraught about your departure to say hey we'll, we'll compensate you for what you were volunteering for like hey if you can do that remotely and still be of some constructive assistance hmm might be the way to go like ponder on it I love that anytime not being rushed about uh, decisions take your time process it see what's going to be best for you but I mean hey if you get this becomes you know a, a side gig as they call it you can still do some work do some of the similar work that you were doing but now being compensated for it and you don't have to put yourself in direct harm's way uh, being sexually assaulted or any sort of uh, retaliation or anything like that might be a way to go uh, and and maybe from a distance you can you know guide them in a more constructive manner might be some other people who are tired of all the shenanigans and would prefer to be more efficient with what they're doing but something to think about at least um, much obliged for sharing Irie sorry it had to be you know dose of non-constructive but that's you know that is the system of white supremacy to be expected uh, number again 720 Seven three hundred, the code five six four nine four three pound. Press star six one if you would like to participate. Again, broadcast not for spectators. Uh, if we have either, so I guess I can do two now. So if we have black people who have figured out like I never am harassed. Like I don't have any sexual harassment from anybody in my work environment like I couldn't imagine you know if it if the wind blows a little too hard I can get time off goes check on my children my family nobody says a peep yeah that's your work environment let us know how you accomplish that 
if it's things that you said, things that you did, things that you didn't say, just share. See if you can help us replicate your uh, position of comfort. Hopefully, long-lasting position of comfort life. Hopefully, you'll have this uh, enjoyment until you know, whenever you're ready to retire. Maybe that'll be you know a good 40 years from now, long, long, long time away. Uh, but let us know. Hook us up. And then if we have any people, for sure, you should not be spectating if you have been unruly. Like you've been in conflict with your coworkers for a decade. You've been non-compliant. You throw the UCMJ in the trash. They tell you you're supposed to be back at 1,800 hours. You show up at 2,000 hours. Dare somebody to say something to you. Insubordinate. Non-compliant, as they say. If that's you, and... Pfft, I'm still employed. I'm not even thinking about getting the pink. I wish somebody would say something to me about pink slip. If you have done that, let us know. Email until justice at gmail.com. Other folks who wrote in, make sure I get those in. did not pull up the correct page thought I already had that together let's try that again yes neutralizing workplace racism alright black female victim of racism she writes I started a new job and the white male HR person started speaking in slang to us black females dun 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 he said something along the lines of hey girl what's up I, I think she put the Z on it so I think that's how it'd be what's up I think that's how it be this was on teams so he typed it out but once we get more situated I can only imagine how he will speak to us now you want to talk about tacky and tired uh, tropes in the system of white supremacy this is one especially for the workplace where we've had so many people like I said I mean (laughs) We're not talking about folks who work like at a bar or disco or something like that, where it's a more uh, relaxed environment. You know, people might be using slang. You're not going to be expected to speak what they call the King's English. No, no, no. These are folks who are working in jobs where you're expected to be in like business attire, you know, a business suit, professional blouse, tie, all of that. Like, <laughs> and everyone else. Morning, Mr. Johnson. Morning. Mrs. Jackson, yes, nice to meet you. Morning, Mr. Wilson, yes, nice to see you. Then all of a sudden, as she said, the black employees come. Oh, hey, would it do my nizzles for shizzle? Like, come on, come on, come on. <laughs> like, that is a great one because we've had so many. Things. Some people even said it goes beyond just you know the verbals or whatever they say. It'll even include like they want to do all these like the fist bump and wacky handshakes and all the rest of it, like or pimping remember that one we had the got same thing professional environment these are executives and all the rest of it everybody is wearing expensive all their expensive business suits and buttoned up and everything yes sir mm-hmm. morning yes nice to see you mm-hmm. pimping was hanging pimping <laughs> like what is going on <laughs> that is one right there give them the crickets you don't need to say a word. Zero. And I think they will get it. What they got. Get the picture. 
especially if you could get a group because she said this is a group like if you just met these folks you can't expect you know to have strange group of black people when I say strange people you don't know uh, all be codified and so they all do the same thing but I mean do not participate in it just look at them I guess you could do the hmm that works there you could also I guess for those type of a thing you know why are you talking to me like that why are you talking to us like that do you call anybody else here pimping do you speak to any of the other groups is what's up <laughs> you talk to them like that like you could do but I wouldn't even dignify with the question lane just give them the crickets And that's when we've had listeners, if we have anybody here who's had to deal with that and neutralized it successfully, because we've had people who called in, it's in the archives where they said either they asked a question, looked at the person, whatever, and they got the picture, stopped almost immediately. We've even had some folks where they said this behavior, because they're still learning, we're all still learning, but they said uh, like maybe they participated in this when they would do like the fist bump or hey, what's up bro, what's good, that type of thing. And they would participate in it for a while, they were still confused, but then when they started getting it together, like yeah, I'm not <laughs> trying to be professional, what is this, I'm not in a rap video. Uh, and they just gave the person a look or whatever and they boop, stopped permanently, never did that again. Let us know if that war. Guess you can update too if this person, because I think uh, she said that this person was kind of doing this uh, on like Zoom or whatever it was, text Teams, whatever it is. Uh, so yeah, I can only imagine how this person is going to be like live in person. So yes, keep us uh, keep us posted. I'd probably keep distant, or I wouldn't say like physical distance, but I mean just I would be alert uh, anytime you have a white person who's engaged in this sort of conduct in a work environment like asterisk anyone classified as white would be dangerous but I mean this specifically I would make note of like are you trying do you want us to think of you as like a cool guy like you're the cool white guy in the office or cool white girl in the office and get us to like lower our suspicions like what is all this performance for like this performance in what you think of as you know nigritude or whatever like why are you doing this that's what I would be thinking. Not, a, I mean, hey, that might even be one standing in the question. Like, why are you doing this? Why are you talking to us like this? Hmm. <laughs> then get your. I might even write that down. That might. I guess if you are going to be, you could even write that down. Like, pull out your pad. Why are you talking to us like this? And then write down the response. I'm just trying to relate to you all, and we're all <laughs> whatever. It is. Yeah. Write down the response. See what he says. If it makes any sense. Hmm. And then I'd put, put your phone up or whatever it is, your pad away. Okay. Go on about the day. Email again until justice at gmail dot com. The number is seven two zero seven one six seven three hundred. The code five six four nine four three pound. Press star six one if you would like to participate if we have any of the folks who have successfully neutralized that in the work environment you can let us know that as well while folks are getting their thoughts together uh, if you are doing that great not being abused in your work environment don't have any Samuel Cassidy's harassing you and threatening you either uh, you can invest uh, the cows listener supported counter racist radio the blog 
racism hyphen notes dot blogspot dot com racism hyphen notes dot blogspot dot com PayPal button is in the top right corner also on cash app cash app at cash dot app forward slash dollar sign the cows much obliged to all the folks who have invested supported uh, 12 plus years hopefully constructive information on the system of white supremacy things we can do to solve this problem immediately Uh, in addition to uh, the PayPal cash app uh, we are linked at amazon.com our wish list under Gus T renegade much obliged to all the investors who have nabbed an item or three from the wish list uh, over the past dozen years or so hopefully the cows has been continues to be worthy of your time and energy uh, again if we have any uh, folks if you have been paying attention observant I hope everybody regardless of whether you're being uh, mistreated or not directly to your knowledge right in your work situation uh, be alert and mindful uh, about things that are happening in your workplace who is in your work environment don't just kind of have I guess what they call uh, tunnel vision where you're just kind of locked in on your specific area and your cubicle your office whatever it is uh, try to be alert uh, I say try to learn as much as you can uh, about things that are happening I say I guess maybe especially in this environment because so much is in flux and, and upheaval but try to be uh, informed alert about things that are happening uh, around you in the work environment uh, it can uh, serve you well I uh, can maybe get some heads up here and there you can also even be made aware uh, that there is some mistreatment going on sometimes you'll be thinking things are great and then just being able to get information from other folks find out that you are missing information or things are happening that you were not aware of so try to be mindful be alert things that are happening cultivate some sources that you can talk to who uh, give you accurate uh, information in your work environment sources that can be white people non-white people whatever is going to be helpful with info uh, let's see folks uh, still spectating I'm still a little curious uh, if we have that many folks who uh, just don't have anything particular specific happening in their work environment if they are you know just kind of coasting along their June spring things are well uh, whether they've returned to the work environment or if they're still I don't know working remotely hybrid whatever it is a little suspicious uh, a little still a little suspicious but if folks are uh, just content to spectate for their Friday we'll uh, do maybe mm, 20 minutes or so give people a little bit of time to call in and share a thought or two and if they're just going to sit back and spectate then we'll catch up for the compensatory call in and uh, I'll just give my spectacle or not speculate my suspicious gaze uh, again I contend it would be really difficult to have even three black people and everybody can truthfully say things are hunky-dory in the workplace no unwanted touching everyone is behaving themselves we're all getting our raises and being compensated according to our worth like okay (laughs) you say so Uh, let's see our Bay Area mom uh, should be with us as well Bay Area mom did you have uh, commentary hopefully on her transition 
Hi, thank you for taking my call. Um, so, uh, let's see. No, I've never been able to um, work anywhere and stay and cause mayhem and conflict and just do what I want. No, I've never been able to do that. Um, oh, and I remember on the um, one of the clips, um, I started thinking when they said uh, bringing some bread, I guess that'll just make it better to deal with coming back to work. I thought like, oh, ooh, I'll never eat at work again. So um, I thought that was interesting. And then um, how the people that were have been working from home for over a year, they're able to just move and, I mean, just go out of the country, wherever they are, probably the Bahamas, and just to, 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 to tap away on the computer. And now that companies are opening back, they have the option to even consider the, hmm, do I want to stay here? I'm here. Or do I want to go back to the stupid company? Oh, jobs here. So there's that kind of thing versus others who may not have that luxury. I thought that was interesting. So um, workplace racism for me. Uh, let's see. So also oh, um, I had the, um, the two children. So um, the what is it? The the, the, the non-black um, supervisor. She's uh, not on the case anymore for the little girl. Of the black supervisor is only on the case. Um, yeah, I don't know uh, absolutely how come, but um, so I only have her for the little boy, the Spanish-speaking lady. And um, so for me, I have to use a lot of different techniques and, um, you know, just maybe be real stern with her as far as... Um, making sure you do what you're supposed to do for this case since I see, you know, how if you're not on her, she won't do it. And then, too, she's on a two-month um, trial period for the little boy's case because the mom had asked her to be replaced. So they had said, no, give her, give her, a, couple, <laughs> give her a couple of months so she can, you know, she just had a baby and her transition, let's, let's see. You know, I'll watch her. And her supervisor is the lady, uh, the supervisor that, like I said, that was over the uh, case that I had in the evening that I wouldn't take all five days that I don't have now. So um, it's just interesting how they just make sure, give her another chance. Yeah. So um, she's got another chance. And... um, what I'm trying to do with the little boy is just kind of, because uh, I don't want to just be there, and then it's just his fault because his parents aren't, um, you know, as active. So I, I forced him to engage in um, what I'm doing with him because when I got there on Monday, the mom was just saying that uh, <laughs> he needs to use his words more. You know, he was using them a little but. You know, he needs to use his words. So what I've noticed this week is the little black boy, he's uh, 
ah, ah. He's just making all these noises. He just really, ah, ah. And I don't think that's what the mom, I'm, nobody wants that. But I don't think that's what the mom in particular wants because she's got married to his dad here. And she's, I come in every day and she just wants to be whatever because, you know, he wants a daughter too. So we got to get this going here. So she's telling me, you know, because he hasn't been using his words and he's been, you know, jumping all around and he's saying a third. I was like, oh, yeah, okay. Oh, no. See what I can do. Now, keep in mind, they're two hours a day. They have 22 whole hours with him. 22. So, he's animated. He's, wah, He's just, whoosh, 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 whoosh. you know, like uh, Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> he's just, <laughs> So he's really all over the place and making noise. And mind you, the parents work from home, so I don't know what. It looks. It feels like I get this look as if I'm supposed to contain him much better, but I do what I can. <laughs> so um, I'm um, thinking, gee, what what can I do to keep him? I don't know what to do. So. He's watching this video because he has complete access to um, YouTube, complete access, 24-7. So, um, except for when I'm there, if I take that, or he'll just give me the phone, whatever he has. If I don't so, it's a cartoon, some kind of, oh, my dear. So, he watches all the animated extra to the third power um, videos, uh, all the animated videos to where he wants to reenact. A lot of animation, like cars, like the crash scenes. Um, so this particular video is some images, maybe some animals, and they're just swaying back and forth as if they're, like, hypnotized. And they're just swaying to this music, like, and they're swaying back and forth and going back and around and around. And so he's sitting on the stairs on his knees doing the same motions. I said, oh, my goodness. If they don't take this, these videos from him, whatever this programming is that they're doing through these kids' um, videos, they're going to have him. She's not going to be he's, – because he's very animated, and um, he, he'll um, repeat every little animated theme, and they ignore it, but I know it. So that's how I can connect a lot of the stuff that he does to – certain things that he's picked up on the videos and his mom says, well, I try to block the videos and I'm just thinking, I don't say anything, but I'm thinking you're not trying, you're really not trying hard enough. He just keeps finding them and I'm just looking at her, but, you know, because my face is covered, so all I can do is just look at her. But um, she's not trying hard enough to me. I say that because on my one of my walks with the auntie, <laughs> she gonna say, "Well, she's very uh, she's she's uh, a couple of steps behind, so she's um, what is that? Uh, she has some kind of mental challenge, um, and it's a challenge. And so I'm real nice to her because they're very they don't have the patience with her on the wide, but they don't. So she's talking. We had." Agatha this weekend. 
It's like, oh, did you? Good. Mm-hmm. Everybody was, we had drinks, and I was just like, good drink. I said, oh, really? Mm-hmm. And we was, everybody was drunk. Not me, though. They made me a virgin one because that's all they needed for her. So then she's, uh, yeah, so when my mama, <laughs> this <is> grandma, <laughs> So, Grandma, also, apparently, if you want to sober up, you're supposed to go outside and lay in the grass. So, you go outside, lay in the grass, and you sober up. And that's what Grandma did. So, Grandma laid in the front lawn, the yard, and right there. And this is, so this is the weekend for the four-year-old. So, if the parents are drunk, nobody's sober but the person that's mentally challenged. He is doing God knows what. Nobody's instilling anything in him or doing anything with him. And it just makes it hard for me when I come on Monday after all these shenanigans. So that's why he's running and roaring and doing all this stuff. So now you want me to fix it. Now, I haven't come on Friday, but now on Monday, because you guys did all this fun stuff, He's reenacting the fact that nobody was paying a lot of attention. I'm not saying you don't be, hey, come here, baby. That's my baby. I'm not saying you don't do that. What I'm saying is he has special needs. Both, just two. So there's two special needs, children in the home, and every adult that's not special needs is under the influence for the whole weekend. And I will mute. I, oh, wait. So today, the baby, <laughs> so the baby, he gets, he goes in the kitchen to the visible, reachable bar that's on the counter by the pantry. And he goes over there, so I get up, I go behind him, but he's you know, he's a little quicker than me. So he's in there, and he's doing something with the shot glasses, because they might have shots. So uh, I'm like, oh, no, baby, you can't, it's not for you. It's, it's not for you. You got to get you some juice or virgin kind of like, I don't know. So uh, that that was it. And I'll, I'll, I'll mute my line. Thank you for taking my call. Much obliged, uh, Bay Area mom. Mm. Black babies cost less. Wow. I think that is at least the second time that I can recall where she's been in a house where a black child seemed to have access to alcohol or was reaching uh, for alcohol. Because I think we had talked about it before. Like, man, does this need to be reported? And wow. Wow. Black babies cost less. Dr. Welsing, she used to speak all the time about, hey, if you're going to procreate, like have, you know, the highest regard for producing a life uh, and the whole process of being an attempted mother, attempted father, just having the highest regard and making that such a great priority and not having the kids, you know, really close together so that you can really, uh, attend to their needs uh, in a correct manner like wow 
everyone in the house, she said, is intoxicated over the weekend. Like, wow. Uh, Let's see. Um, That's what it's going to be. I I can only say the system of white supremacy, that is, you know, the intent uh, for black people to exist in that sort of uh, environment for children to be reared uh, in that type of environment. That is the goal. That is the plan. High end. So that no one is to blame. You all did this to yourselves. No one made you, you know, drink all those wacky uh, concoctions. Nobody made, you know, you have all of these children and behave that way. Right. That's what, that's what they'll say. That's what many people do say. Even a number of victims uh, say that. Uh, all design, all by racist design, not happenstance, but yeah, it just, in my view, at least, it just seems so, uh, the folks that are organized, I guess your boss, employers, it just seems so, you know, whatever, we've got these non-white children and whatever, we service them and, you know, do whatever, we're not really providing adequate resources but it doesn't really matter where as you say we're out doing all kinds of things like the uh the segment where they talked about the people who are doing remote work like man they had people they said they had moved from new york and now they live in idaho because they found cheap uh cheap rents they've been working remotely in idaho boss doesn't even know that they moved like that sort of thing where it seems like she could have people like that who they're out in california but they moved to italy or wherever you know you just see them with their coffee mug and their footies uh for 15 minutes or so and I, oh yes you've been with the children oh okay man. he's doing okay gotta go got other things <laughs> like man come on come on um yeah that's that's just so sad like geez like to yeah the worthlessness of black life like to to not be communicating and not have people where that would be the primary focus like oh man we got to get this child using his words and you know this is such a big deal and blah 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 eh, yeah got parties to go to other things to do we'll get to it we'll get to it we'll get to it (laughs) like wow in the screen time oh my goodness that was so important too because so many people have addressed that during the so called lockdown shutdown whatever you want to call it lots of children globally have been out of schools they've been doing the remote learning and all the rest of it which requires uh, a computer screen time got to be online to do the assignments in many cases not all but in many Uh, a number of folks have pointed that out you know as well uh, in terms of all of this Uh, in terms of just do you have uh, access uh, to be able to get uh, to the information uh, just in terms of how white people control they can make it easy or I guess you could look at it this way they make it easy for black people in any circumstance even if you only have two nickels or don't have very much money they can make it easy for you to access alcoholic beverages not so easy to be able to get online and get quality resources and things that you need eh, maybe you can't quite get that yeah Anywho, um, for again, for our caller, mom in the Bay Area, I hope you are working on your uh, transition. Find something where uh, it'll be better uh, for you uh, and your skills and what have you. For the parents, again, I was saying with the screen time, they've talked about that a lot in terms of uh, children trying to navigate that because over the last, whatever it is, 16 months or so, um, 
a lot more children have been online. They've been on screens, had to, to do school, remote learning or whatever it is and saying, oh man, this is not the most healthy thing. And how do you, you know, navigate this? Like you don't really have an option. So they got to be on the screen. And then some of the, the children, they said have been tricking them and like, oh, we got to be online and they're doing video games or whatever it is and saying they're doing their remote work. So yeah, that has been tough, but I would, I would definitely say for the younger children, monitor that screen time. Like she was saying, like they do not need to be just watching videos and, you know, anime or whatever it is uh, all day long. Like monitor. That's again, being a parent is really hard work. Gus T does not have offspring. That is a part of it. Like really being there and being engaged. Party time is over. Like it's no more hanging out and people coming over and all that. Like your priorities are that child or children, but you know, that's what it would be like sitting there with that child and singing them some songs, reading them the code book or whatever it is. But that's what it would be. Not all the rest of it. And maybe they'll send over someone who can work with the child for two hours. Like talk about workplace racism, like being an attempted parent in this system. Whew. Not too many tougher jobs in the known universe. Much obliged, Bay Area mom. Stay safe down in California. Uh, the number again, 720-716-7300. The code 564-943-POUND. Press star 61 if you would like to participate uh, let's see other folks who dialed in if you have hand up we have not heard from you proceed hey Gus uh, victim out of New Jersey greetings sir alright how, how you doing this evening right poorly alright so uh, this is uh, workplace race racism uh Experiences uh, is from my attempted girlfriend, uh, black female. Uh, so uh, she works from home. So she had she she I mean she had other incidents. She's a she's a black female that also wears her hair in locks. <laughs> so uh, she also had uh, comments about her hair not being. Uh, neat, you know, uh, from uh, a white coworker. That was before the pandemic. But this recent incident, she's a supervisor, uh, so she's working from home, and it's this white male who uh, is her immediate supervisor. Was just, you know, just just real terroristic. Meaning, like when she's off on her weekends, he will just call her and make her log in to take calls. Um, even when we were on vacation, uh, you know, we went away and uh, he he just, you know, he just would just know, same situation like me, just really like no regard of her off time and would just force her to log in to take calls. It, it wasn't even a matter of asking. And this was times where, you know, she requested time off and he would still do this. Um, 
the George Floyd situation was occurring, uh, he noticed that the company had a policy with different tragedies across the planet, uh, the shooting in Paris, uh, other situations where they would basically give meetings and ask if, you know, people was okay and, you know, do some kind of, you know, just show some kind of sensitivity about what was going on outside of work. This time, uh, my attempted girlfriend, she noticed that that same courtesy wasn't given to uh, black workers during the time of George Floyd. When, when bringing this in and bringing this up in a meeting, you know, asking like, you know, we, sh- you know, we should maybe check in on uh, black employees during this time. Um, he questioned why. And, you know, my attempted girlfriend gave the reasons why and gave, you know, historical reference points that the com- company has done this in the past. And the white supervisor, Mel, says, well, I have black family members in my family and just left it there. So I guess he was, I don't know what he was alluding to. Like, what did that even mean? Because you have a black niece or nephew or a distant relative. So there's no need for any kind of, you know, just, just... a well a wellness check on your black employees during a real traumatizing time. Uh so uh my attempted girlfriend she did make a complaint and come to find out she you know, not only is she like the only supervisor in that particular region, so she has to take take on calls from all across the country. Um you know, so she, you know, this is the reason why he constantly is very, um, you know, just puts more workload on her where she just, you know, just in the middle of the night, he'll he'll ask her to log on to take calls. So, um, you know, so, so when she made the complaint, um, his supervisor is a black male, and so he, you know, they, they call and they, you know, they have a whole meeting about it. And, you know, the supervisor is, is real disturbed and was really disturbed by the insensitive comment about when bringing up the situation that was going on in Ferguson and doing a wellness check on black employees. He says, okay, well, you know, I have, you know, I have a black niece and nephew. Like, you know, let's move on. Um, so... I guess that issue was resolved. Um, so, you know, she even she even came up out of that with a raise because it was brought to their attention that another uh, supervisor was making maybe $77,000 more a year. So she also brought that up. She's like, listen, you know, with all the stress and the strain and anxiety that this white male supervisors put me through and on top of that I'm making less than other supervisors so all that was resolved she even got a raise and this particular supervisor uh, no longer um, 
you know, a long long a long longer, long no longer terrorized her. But just last week she get a call from HR saying that they're doing an investigation on her because somebody called and complained and said that she's she has activity on her social media page that's um that that they don't feel represent the company. So the company went went on her comb through her uh Facebook and they didn't find anything. But the funny thing was the person who anonymous, anonymously called no no, they gave their name but they knew that she worked under this particular supervisor. So I suggest I said I think that I think that the supervisor, you know, was trying to retaliate covertly against her. But nothing was found on her social media uh, page that, you know, mentioned where she worked. She has no LinkedIn. She, you know, she has nothing referencing her company on her private Facebook page. So that investigation went nowhere. So, you know, I, I, I didn't, I really didn't, I wasn't sure, you know, I knew she couldn't just flat out just accuse this uh, supervisor for, uh, you know, trying to uh, retaliate and use her social media to maybe get her reprimanded. And only thing that I can, I can, I can see that she speaks about on her, her Facebook page is her uh, online business, and you know, uh, my attempted uh, girlfriend. She, she's—I I would say she's, she's, she's less confused than most, and her Facebook represents that. So I'm thinking maybe that's what uh, I'm assuming that this supervisor wanted the company to see that she has some kind of self-respect on Facebook. Um, yeah, so you know, I really didn't have no suggestions to her. I, I just, I just told her, just make sure she doesn't make statements. I mean, you really have no proof, so it really makes no, you know, I don't really know where you can go with this. But you know, if they if they investigated your Facebook page and they didn't find anything, I'll say just leave it alone. You know, so uh, that's what I have for workplace racism. If anybody has any suggestions for my attempted girlfriend, you know, how does she? How should she uh, uh, go about her day-to-day, uh, day-to-day workday with this uh, supervisor? Who's, uh, I, I would say is definitely a suspected white supremacist. I, I would, I would even say a white supremacist. So how would she, you know, navigate with that? Thank you. Context of white supremacy, a victim in New Jersey, I guess, uh, his wife, he said his, or his uh, attempted girlfriend, there we go, attempted girlfriend, uh, courtesy of victim in New Jersey. Uh, the trifling antics in the workplace abound, um, yeah, it's like just being codified, I guess, and, and being abreast uh, of the best way. Does your wife, is she it, like you all discuss counter racism techniques or is she 
not as or girlfriend. I'm sorry, I said wife. Sorry, girlfriend. Is she uh, into all the counter racism techniques, or you just try to share as you can? Um. Oh yes, yes, yes. She's um. I mean, like I said, she is. She is definitely um. Um. Less confused. Um. There's there's not a problem with talking counter racism. Um. Uh. With her. Um. Matter of fact, her. You know her. Her online uh, business is catered towards black skincare, organic uh, skincare. Love it. Um, yeah, so she's, I mean, you know, she's a vegan. I know you would uh, respect that. Uh, she became a vegan when she uh, got great, I think it's grave disease, and it, it, it completely reversed it from her going on to a plant-based diet. Um, I'm not that disciplined. I'm still trying, but she keeps me on the right track uh, when we're out eating or she's cooking. So, um, no, she, she, she's definitely open to counter-racism. She's, you know, she, she, she's, I mean, I, I couldn't pick the better uh, person to attempt to have a relationship with uh, in this day and age. Love it. Love it. Uh, the hair to, at least in my opinion, um, we, that's another one. I guess you put that up there with the tacky, uh, comments, slang type comments. Uh, when a white person is talking to some of the other black employees exclusively, uh, with a black person, male or female, really, uh, if it's locks or anything like that, that, oh man, that's not professional. And you know, that tacky and it's not neat and all the rest of it. Um, I would get the policy and procedure. I don't know if they have one specifically, but I would look at the policy and procedure manual and see, does it say anything specifically uh, about hairstyles or anything like that? If it's just generic in terms of, uh, you know, you just have to be professionally groomed, neat, that type of a thing. What are we talking about? Like I've got my, uh, I got my locks. They're groomed. They're neat. I'm professional. What is the problem? And particularly now, because I think, uh, New York and so many areas where they have those different laws where they're saying there's not supposed to be any hair discrimination like I think New York was one of the areas I don't know if you all are in New York State specifically or New Jersey or wherever it is but so many yeah, she's in Delaware oh, okay okay I'm not sure if they have it in Delaware but that's that's not even the point for me it would just be what does the policy and procedure say if it says neat and professional my hair is neat and professional uh, as is like what is the problem? Other than that, let's keep it moving. That's that's another one. <clears throat> when I said previously about composure, uh, for sure, there are many, many, many instances. Uh, armed services, and I, re- I re- didn't bring that up, but I mean, the armed services, they just changed their policy. Many workplace environments have had those type of white supremacist hair policies for a long time uh, about all types of braids and what they would call black uh, hairstyles, uh, where your hair is not chemically mutilated to be straight. Uh, Many places are doing away with those sort of uh, policies and procedures, or at least making it more difficult uh, to make someone cut their hair, change their hair. Many, many places have had those sort of policies where they've made a black person cut their hair, change their hair or lose their job. Uh, I would just, what's the policy and procedure say? Am I being accused of a specific violation? Question lane. If that's not the case, I'm not going to lose my composure and get mad because it's a lot of that, too, where they'll bring this up to try to say something about your hair to get you to get angry and all that. Remember, they had uh, at the time she was Congresswoman Cynthia McKinney. 
Uh, and one of the white people said, oh, my God, because she had locks in, too. Said, oh, my gosh, her hair looks like uh, her hair looks like she's uh, uh, she's she's got a Brillo pad factory on her head. Oh, my gosh. And these type of this tacky racist comments, uh, I think the best thing is not respond document. Not respond. Same thing like with the uh, harassment on Zoom and all the rest of it. Uh, and question like some of the things that we say all the time. Am I is my hair in violation of policy and procedure? And if so, how? It's neat. It's groomed. It's professional. Where's the violation? Give it to me specifically. And if it's not going to be that, then yeah, that's just racist being racist. Dogs bark, birds chirp, and uh, yeah, not going to get my blood pressure up to go in and defend in and doing all this with folks just doing what they're supposed to do. Um, I guess we have any uh, folks, if, if you have any uh, experience neutralizing the attacks on hair. I feel like we've talked about that as well. Many folks have any sort of code that has worked well for them in neutralizing any attacks and saying that your hair is not professional and that type of thing so that you never hear that sort of commentary again. Uh, you can feel free to share as we roll. Uh, other folks uh, who dialed in with a hand up, if you have commentary to share, proceed. <coughs> Uh, retired firefighter in Florida. Yes, sir. Greetings, Gus. Greetings to everybody. Uh, with the uh, last re- last person that reported uh, uh, suggestions, I think you uh, basically touched on all of the ones that I had in mind, which is to... Uh, keep a record of everything and uh, everything that's being said and the date. Uh, and uh, when you accumulate enough uh, information, uh, you may can uh, request a uh, meeting uh, to share that with the employer uh, as a matter of concern uh, for the uh, place of employment, not a complaint, but to to uh, a concern about the uh, the uh, improvement and or the job itself to make it the best. My 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 participation with the job, other than employment, is to also to like to see it to be the best possible place of employment that it possibly can be and uh, here are some things that needs to be worked on based on some experiences that I had with uh, uh, this particular uh, person. Uh, uh, also, yeah, keep a record. Keep a record of, uh, and with the hair, with the hair situations, there have been a lot of Precedents, laws that have been uh, uh, put into the workplace on black people and their cultural style of hair. Uh, I mean, it's been a whole lot over the last two years or so. And so it may be, it may be something uh, that uh, she can do uh from her 
workplace that's already in place that she may not know about. Uh, other than that, the way those things have gotten started, uh, it's been a singular person that has uh, made the statement uh uh, and uh, when it went to uh, some sort of uh, meeting uh, on that person, uh, others got involved, got involved, and uh, either the rule was changed or something was added on to the rule. Uh, and uh, there was an incident that took place years ago, uh, well, many years ago with me, as far as on the fire department where a coworker uh decided that you know he wanted to he wanted to, he he been had a uh, what they call a uh lip beard just below your lower lip with the fire service uh they recommend that we don't have hair uh below your your uh uh lower lip because of the uh, self-contained breathing apparatus would not uh, function at its optimal level. It'd have to have a seal all the way around your face, you know, that sort of thing. And uh, and this did, does not interfere with that. It does not interfere with your safety, uh, having a beard, a, a, a small segment of hair right below your lower lip. And uh, he was asked to uh, get rid of it. Uh, he showed up to work with it still, and he was asked to leave and come back when you had the lip shaved, and he didn't do it. <laughs> and in turn, it went to some sort of arbitration uh, meeting, some sort of meeting, and uh, it was decided that uh, he was not violating any policy and procedures. Then everybody started getting the the uh, beer to leave the lip. <laughs> so sometimes that's how it happens. Also, uh, what I wanted to uh, uh, bring uh, is bring up is uh, uh, I probably have already mentioned it before, so I but I'll say it again just for sure that uh, the Miami Dade County Fire Department has uh, another hiring initiative. Uh, that's out. Uh, they they put it out something like once every three years, something like that. Uh, very high profile uh, profession. Uh, Dade County Fire Department, I think, is the third or fourth largest fire department. Uh, I'm beginning to think in the world. I I really don't follow it, but from what I've heard. Uh, something like that. You know, it, it does international service, you know, uh, when these earthquakes and different things take place, they call for Dade County Fire Department uh, to get on an airplane and go around the world. Uh, so, uh, so they, they have, uh, they have job openings. Uh, also, the last thing is that, uh, uh, there was a years ago, years ago, uh, myself and, and a few other guys, we started an organization and we wanted to also, uh, with our organization, uh, uh, 
made it with the Progressive Firefighters, which is a uh, an organization uh, made up of Dade County, fi- Black Dade County uh, Fire Department employees, and uh, the initiative is would would be to make that organization a little bit more political. Where where actually it will rival with the union. <laughs> they turned it down. The black firefighters turned it turned it down. Uh I think it was a fear factor that goes along with that of competing directly with the uh the the local uh union. Uh and that that was back in the mid to late eighties. Uh, the initiative have been brought to them again recently by some younger firefighters. That when we were on the job, they kind of like tagged along with us. You know, wanted to bid in to the same station that we were, were in, and now they're near retirement or retired themselves. And uh, they brought that same initiative to the uh, Progressive Firefighters Organization uh, for their uh, for their vote to either reject reject the offer or or uh, accept accept it. Uh, basically, what would take place is uh, uh, things like uh, negotiating. Uh, uh, with hiring, the hiring process, which is certainly needs to to be uh, uh, improved on, what do you call it? Getting getting positions up, what what they call upward mobility. A lot of a lot of positions are based on just the fire chief choosing you. And we know who's at the bottom of the bottom of the list when it comes to that in a lot of cases. It's not black people, period, are, are, are really uh placed down low when it comes to it. Uh and that's where that political initiative can possibly assist that process. Uh in other words, make the black community more wary of what's going on on the insides of Dade County Fire Department. Basically that's what 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 uh this initiative is about. Uh and uh I haven't heard anything from it yet since I heard about the in the initiative being brought back to the progressive firefighters. Uh but it'd be interesting to find out on <laughs> On if we're dealing with a new and improved membership with the progressives, with uh, the willingness to challenge uh, the um, your your employers, uh, so uh, stay tuned for that. And that's all I say. Thank you. Hmm. Much obliged, uh, retired firefighter in Florida. <clears throat> Uh, long That's history. how things get done. You gotta make, you gotta make, you gotta take chances. <laughs> hey, hey, canary in the coal mine. I think is one of the tacky metaphors that they use often. Like uh, somebody has got to pull the short straw. Another metaphor, and uh, be the one to be the first to try it. Say, hey, uh, show me exactly if the lip beard is against policy. 
And if they can't right. do it, well, hey, hey, now everybody has a lip beard, courtesy of me being the first one to step right. over. I mean, <laughs> that's the way it is sometimes. You got to have a little black self-respect to just, you know, I mean, hey, if you can show it to me in the policy, like, oh, okay. And I mean, as he said, a lot of those hair policies have been challenged and they got new laws in many, many areas. I think California, New York, lots of places. I started losing track. It was so, so many areas uh, that were getting these type of laws passed. So I would def Delaware. I, I would just check. That would be one to see, you know, in, in your region, have they passed any of this sort of legislation? And then either way, that would just mean I would have two things. I could go in and take the low, uh, the legislation about all of this, that we're not supposed to be harassing employees about their hair. If it's neat and well-groomed. Uh, and then whereas in the policy and procedure that the way my hair specifically has been styled is a violation. Just show it to me. And again, keeping your composure. I think a lot of times these type of remarks and comments are done to get you all get us riled up and all the rest. Not that there haven't been a lot of black people who have had to, you know, change their hair, cut their hair, shave males and females, all the rest. It's been lots of that for years, decades. Uh, but oftentimes too, a lot of that is Brillo pad, that sort of thing, just so we can get a black person to chimp out, uh, as they say. Um, yeah, it's a long history as well, right, with the hair thing in terms of doing lots of things so that black people don't get those uh, promotions, raises, don't, uh, as they call it, rise up through the ranks. Uh, and they'll give lots of lame excuses. Oh, you got that hair. You're not professional. You got that lip beard. See, and, you know, a whole lot of nonsense uh, to justify why they did not. That's another one being precise. If there's some sort of performance evaluation or selection process for how they're going to give out these promotions and things well let me know what I can improve on so next time around if there's an opening I can see if I can better myself so I'll be a more improved candidate you can let me know what deficiencies I have that's another one precision much obliged uh, retired firefighter in Florida Uh, any other folks comments they want to make sure they uh, get in folks that we missed uh, totally who have a hand up. One, one more thing, one more thing, Gus. I think, I think uh, in the recent uh, publicity of the police killings, not police killings, but the law enforcement killings, sorry about that, race soldier killings and, and uh, a lot of other things that's been going on recently, or, or at least been publicized recently. Uh, uh, the it, it appears that the white supremacists have used as a as a negotiating point, if you will, to uh, have these symbolic uh, changes of okay, well we're we're we relax the uh, the uh, that the hair, you know, you know, cultural things and whatnot, you know, uh, on jobs and that sort of thing. And, and I think that has something to do with it because certainly over the last couple of years, I've been hearing about a lot of places when it comes to uh, a different uh, change in grooming, the grooming department on jobs. And I think, I think that may have something to do with, with the much more serious things that, that the, the white supremacists have been, uh, impacting on non-white people in this part of the world, especially uh, as a uh, as a, uh, a bothering 
uh, type of thing. Okay, oh well, well, we're 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 we would uh, uh, speak more on on uh, uh, they they won't they won't say racism or white supremacy. It'll be some sort of antiquated term. Uh, we'll have more talks on it on the job in the workplace, that sort of thing. Uh, you know, and and along with that would be well, we would we would uh, we would relax more on the cultural aspect of uh, uh, hairstyles and that sort of thing. I think I think that has something to do with it also. Thank you. Hmm. Well, that's interesting because they certainly have not increased by any metrics. Uh, all of these new laws about, you know, black people can wear locks and cornrows and, you know, whatever their traditional Negro stylings in the workplace. They certainly have not accompanied that with. And we're going to hire lots and lots and lots of black people for executive uh, positions and give them promotions and raises. And right. that not has bad. not right. happened. <laughs> no, all. no, like. <laughs> Get all your just little, the hairstyles. Yes, yes, just the hair. You can get all your cornrows and locks, and we're still going to keep that mop bucket right in your hands. So you can just mop, <laughs> mop, mop, and sweep, sweep, sweep with all of your little cornrows, just like you did 150 years ago. Like, that's, yeah, no CEOs with cornrows and locks and that. Nah, 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 we're not, we're not doing all of that at all. So, yeah, and I think, too, with it seems at least with the, the, the younger generation of white people, they've had a lot of changes in, in what I would call like uh, wardrobe and decor. Like these are just kind of surface changes because tattoos was another one that's kind of coincided right in the same time. It used to be really strict. Like some jobs, you couldn't even get a job if you had like a visible tattoo. But over the last 20, 25 years, now you have so many white people uh, who had more white people, right? Yeah, that they've had to change a lot of right. those rules because I I remember that like in my lifetime, I'm not you know Mr. Fuller or somebody like that, even uh, Oprah Winfrey, somebody even hit their fifties or whatever than yet. But I see, have seen that in my lifetime where it used to be like for reals. If you had some sort of job where you know you're supposed to be professional, upscale, uh, white collar business person. Oh no, you cannot have, you know, some sort of tattoo on you and it couldn't even be kind of hidden like down close to your ankle or that type of thing. Like, Oh no, not at all. Now that's, <laughs> you can almost be Mike Tyson, have 50 of them on your face and eh, no big deal. This is, you know, spring break in college. We were a little wacky, drunk a little too much, that type of thing and keep it moving. So yeah, lots of this. The, not- ring, the rings in the nose. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, and, yeah. and you have a lot of white people now too they're doing all the goofy hairstyle not all of them but I mean a a substantial number the blue hair and mohawks and all of that so dress policies have become a lot more lax uh, in the workplace many school environments I'd say over the last 20 30 years or so again that has not coincided with being lax about white supremacy racism just you know some surface changes uh, to how the plantation looks that is all. Do not be confused. If you can use some of those to your advantage, like I said, with the hair thing, to make it a little easier, but do not be. And some of that and also is just a part of the refinement because that'll be presented as, hey, things have changed. Remember how it was back in the day? We're so much more inclusive now. We can have people with tattoos and mohawks and cornrows. Like, it'll be a part of the refinement too. So, yeah, don't be confused. If you can use any of this to your advantage, do so. But. Do not be confused. White supremacy, racism, sometimes 
they will have a nose ring or a tattoo or locks. Let's see. Uh, other folks, uh, any other folks, comments, uh, observations they want to make sure they share? May I be heard? Caller in Florida? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Thank you very much, sir. Greetings to Gus, the host, the listeners and callers. Uh, I would like to share some observations uh, and things I've noticed, different reports. Um, The first is there was another screenshot that I was able to get uh, uh, from social media, public uh, posts, and it is one of the uh, white females who have gotten a job knowing one of the other white females, you know, of course, that same uh, strong white social circle. And the thing that is uh, revealing and uh, gives support to white supremacy is that on the image, it is this person, and apparently it's dated from 2017, and it has this person's first and last name, and on the image is this person is wearing overalls, right? This uh, white woman is wearing overalls, and she's given a thumbs up with her... Uh, right thumb, and on her other hand, a left hand, she's holding watermelon, right? And another revealing uh, aspect of the picture is she's standing in front of a Confederate flag. So that's another one I got added to my uh, records. And this is apparently before this person even started in the civil department. Uh, so I'll, I'll start with that one. My um, next one is the white man that I was speaking about before making the uh, particular comments about quote unquote, putting the women in their place. And I've noticed uh, he would come into certain areas talking, speaking this way. Uh, in our area, which mainly has uh, black females, right? So this particular instance is that is myself, this guy, uh, a black female, and a white woman speaking to one another. Uh, This is a a white woman who has offspring with a black male. So um, she speaks in a way that's, like you said, the trope, the the same old, uh, you know, stereotypical uh, slang 
vernacular that gets associated with black people. Um, so this guy is saying to mainly to them and then looks at me. So I'm like, why are you trying to get me in trouble? Why are you trying to cause trouble? And he's just saying, I'm just trying to just give some advice. And I say, nah, we work, we work in a female dominated workplace. Why aren't you saying that to the ladies over on the other side? Right. So he says, Oh, well, you know, Oh, I'm not, I'm not going to worry about them. So, I thought that was abstract racist code to uh, say I'm going to disregard the mainly white side, melanin deficient, uh, you know, ladies over there. So he continues to, you know, say the things that he says about the females, the black females over on the area where I work. Uh, and the, a, a white woman comes back, right? A second white woman enters the room and he addresses her as miss, you know, cause he was over there cause he's IT. So he's over there to fix an issue with a computer. So he addresses her as miss. So now nah, that sounds like the core to me. So, the the decorum's right there with her. Now I'm thinking, is this because she's white? That's my assumption. And that that white woman he called Miss called the the uh the victim of racism, the black female, called her sweet or sweetie or whatever. You know, maybe that's a southern thing. I I don't know. So he says, Did you just call her sweet? <laughs> Did you just call her sweet? And she's like, yeah, like, I don't see what's the problem with that. And he said, I see a big problem with that. You know, like, no, that's that's wrong. And, you know, so they just continue to just laugh about it. So I'm just doing my work or whatever. And the black female manager walks in. And uh, she's finishing a ceremony for marriage license. Um, so she just walks past or whatever. And this guy, um, uh, he acts like he's afraid. Right. And, and I want to put emphasis on, this is a person who was highly melanated back in 2019. They made, they made fun of her complexion right to about two years ago in a meeting talking about photoshopping, right? So this guy, blonde hair, blue eyes, he um, tries to jump over to the side, over-exaggerating or whatever. He says, oh, no, I really I really got to watch out for her. She's the leader of the devils, right? So, um, so she just kind of just giggles and laughs or whatever. So I go on my break. And I jot the most, as much detail as I can from that encounter, like from that observation into the phone, you know. But I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, I never see him say that to the white women. He don't talk to them like that, really. 
if it is, it's nothing to that extent. Name calling, calling someone, you know, a devil, a black person. You know, so I don't know what was meant with that because he sees all of the emails and everything. So he needs to be calling the click members that because they have all kinds of emails. Um, and speaking of that, uh, I wanted to go on to my next one where there was um, the sergeant, right? The sergeant of security, not just, you know, not just a regular person. This person is wearing a vest that says sheriff on it, uh, tells the other sheriffs, bailiffs what to do. Um, you know, he walks into the break room and is speaking to the juvenile department supervisor. All right. Two top tier white people, basically. And they, you know, they're pulling their phones out and they're saying that, they should have went out to lunch with one another, including the uh, warden, the person that's called the warden. Uh, and they were saying that they couldn't get in touch with her. So he was trying to think up a way that would get her to respond. So this dude says, um, you know what? I'm going to give this a try. I'm going to, I'm going to send her a text that says, I'm leaving, I'm leaving my wife for you. Okay. So I'm like, did he just, did he just say what I thought he said, you know? So, and he just laughing it up, you know, giggling up or whatever. And, uh, they start talking about the black male victim. That's the, the court director saying that he's grumpy or whatever. And he's withdrawn. And he needs a hug, right? Uh, and the sergeant guy says he'll give him a hug. And he says, I allow that. The warden uh, replied in a text saying, I would love to see that. So this, you know, that's that unjust networking again to a degree to where they're talking about him now. Uh, and I just remember also when I was getting up to throw uh, some napkins away. I was about to leave to go clock back in. Um, where he was like, "Oh, you know, make sure, you know, don't you say a don't you say a word about this." You know, I guess he was talking to me, so I just say ignoring him. You know, because this is the same the same uh, racist that I was talking about. Oh, uh, I you know. Um, I'll shank you because I saw you coming, if you remember that one. So this is how this guy talks, right? So, um, yeah, he was saying, make sure, you know, you don't, you don't tell anybody. So I didn't respond. Uh, so apparently they are having conversations with each other, too, as well. And I wanted to end with saying um, there there's been something else going on because the the warden is very small, five foot four, five foot five, right? So um the the black male is like six foot three and he can't get the white people to stop uh you know, using their phones and texting and stuff. But she just walks through there 
Uh, and apparently this new guy that I guess classifies as gay or whatever has made a report and has jot down a bunch of things down on this white guy that has been threatening him in one of the departments. So he immediately gets cleared to transfer to the other courthouse. All right. And she didn't even tell his supervisor, you know, so just more than entitlement that she's, she's allowed this to happen. All right. So, um, this guy has been writing down his mistreatment and, uh, he went to go short to her and it's been reported to me that she was upset about that. So, um, yeah, like, you know, white people have the power, and I think the black male is just being exploited, of course, uh, the racist fault. Um, and I have reached my 10 years at the courthouse, and I'm still learning. And I thank this program for helping me to uh, gain the knowledge and understanding that I've obtained. And that's all I have to share. Thanks for allowing me to speak. Woo, man. Congratulations, caller in Florida. Make sure I don't mess that up. That's awesome, especially on the plantation for victims of white supremacy. Like, I feel like there's so many booby traps metaphor, so many booby traps for us. And, you know, oh, you were late, you know, this time or you left too early or you did this or, you know, such and such that you tried to rape her in the broom closet or whatever. Uh, to be able to stay on a job <clears throat> for 10 years and you could even put a cap on that through the Rona I mean wow all of the chaos and shutdowns and all the rest of it like wow that is uh, counter racist work on display right there and asking questions all the way like congratulations now notice he didn't say I've been on this job for a decade and I've built a reputation for being insubordinate and in conflict with my colleagues he did not say that I would have been stunned like I said for anybody say I've been hanging out on the job for 10 days and I've built a reputation for being insubordinate and in conflict with my colleagues and they just love having me around here whatever uh, before I go through my list here now did the fella who said he was gay did he say he was being mistreated on the basis of him being classified as gay did he say that's why people were were mistreating him well a another victim had a conversation with this person and i think he may have been speculating that uh and apparently this guy who's mistreating him he said the person, the person who's been victimized, went to the warden's office with a notepad. Uh, he hadn't even been there like five weeks yet, not even two months. So he has like the dates because uh, a black, another black person works near the warden's office, and she reported this that this guy came in there and had this notepad. Uh, full of these dates and times of the uh, flagrant type of things that this guy has done to this person. Um, this is a person that, you know, speaks Spanish. Uh, that's under the 
Latino, I guess. That's the term that's used, classification, non-white classification. So that was brought that was brought up his uh sexuality. He thought that that may have been a means to why the guy was, the white guy was treating him the way he was. Hmm. Fascinating. Uh, I would say if nothing else, that is a great model for what you should do. Document, date and time, list all of the incidents, and then you can present if you so choose. Once you have, you know, a bulky enough list, that's what could happen. Now, I'll just point that out. Hey, the warden, apparently she has a lot of power. She he said he, she could just snap her finger. Bang. This fella has been moved to another courthouse. I don't even have to tell his supervisor. Wow. Is that white male privilege? It sounded like he might have had a white supervisor. Or maybe it was a non-white supervisor. But I don't even have to tell him. This job's just gone. That is power in a system of racism. And I would just add, like now, he said this is a new hire. This fella hadn't been hanging out for 10 years, 5 years, 1 year. New hire. He can compile his list. Bam. Problem solved. We're not even talking about personal problems. We got, you know, a lengthy list of those as well. We're just talking about staff issues. Like, man, we are not even staffed correctly. Like, if you can hire this fella, can you not hire one more person for the segregated department? Do we need to make a list and bring that in as well? Like, we're understaffed. You know how to hire people, obviously. Can you not do that? That's just not a priority. We'll get to the colors. Okay, got it got it. just make it put white people can do what they want if they want to move this guy he says they're mistreating me they don't respect lgbtq issues they're not inclusive no problem we're so pro- sorry you experienced that we'll get you moved pronto he doesn't even have a seniority as they say rest of the list now let's see they said the fellow comes and he said he wants to give out uh advice now this now this fella talk about having a reputation for insubordination and conflict. And he said this same fellow that came around before harassing uh, females, being a sexist, patriarch, whatever they want to call it. Uh, and now he comes around over in the section. Same thing I said before. Sweetie and slang and all this for you all. What's cracking my niggs? The segregated section was doing over here. And then, oh, excuse me, Miss Roberts. Yes, ma'am. Mm-hmm. Nice to talk to you. Yes. Exactly what I said. I mean, we just seen the same movie. <laughs> it's like Friends comes on every week. It's the same episode over and over and why are you coming to talk to us like this and he said just going to help you all out yes 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 why aren't you going to do this over with oh they you know i don't i got it they you know they got it i don't i don't want to mess with them too much really they don't need any it hookups you don't have any any secrets or anything any tips that you want to share with them it's just the colored section that you want to hang out and give all the goodies huh Silence, like I said, and I would just watch, like knowing, because I didn't recognize that before. That this is so common. This is such a regular act of racism for the white people. I guess it's to come mess around in the slave quarters. I don't know, but I didn't catch that before. Now knowing what I know, document. You can just whip out the phone and write down date, time, mm -hmm, what it is, sweetie, whatever they said, and then you can even do the contrast. Mrs. Roberts came in. Miss Roberts, she wasn't sweetie, homie, pimping, none of the rest of it. Miss Roberts. Hmm. 
does not get any better than tacky in the workplace. Exhibit A. Now the watermelon photograph. Man, no ways that one is going to be constructive. And it's no way you're going to tell me a white person that's over the age of 15 especially in the state of Florida or anywhere else really in the U.S. is going to tell me, oh, they're ignorant. They didn't know nothing about no watermelon and racist association with black people. Like they just they never heard that before. And they just love some tasty gourds for the summertime, like not at all. And then with the Confederate flag in the back, come on, come on. (laughs) Like, uh, no, white people are not that stupid that's racist joke put that one down right there uh now and 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 exhibit b doesn't get any better than tacky now he said the black female to give context that they had uh harassed her about her complexion before highly melanated uh dr what she said black get back the, her theory crest theory of white genetic annihilation color confrontation black female that they've harassed about her skin color before and it seems like it's a number of black people who've been harassed about their skin color when it's picture time or whatever it is. Uh, she comes around. He said, this fella hops over the railing or whatever it is, barrier. Oh my gosh, it's the leader of the devils. And yeah. I mean, <laughs> even if we, let's put the, the verbalization to the side for the moment. Let's just take he hops over the railing. A black person is coming. Now, I mean, they got firehouses and such where they got rules. No uh, horseplay. What at minimum? We're at the courthouse. Like I said when I was talking before, we're not at the bar. Uh, we're not at the YMCA where we got physical activity and stuff. What do you look like hopping over a barrier at the courthouse because another coworker is coming? That's what I mean about are we being professional with our office practices? Like, come on. Can you imagine? A white person in this environment you switch around and a black person hops over the courthouse is running through a work environment like oh my gosh and we didn't even get to the verb about just running from the presence of another person in a work environment like are you in kindergarten then you add the verbals into the leader of the devils I mean come <laughs> that's one of those I probably wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't have connected or saw anything incorrect about it. That is totally inappropriate for a workplace environment. Like calling another colleague, coworker, a devil. Are you serious? Like people don't do that to the ward. The folks, when he was telling us about the uh, black coworkers who were upset about the ward and saying, man, they don't value us. They got us stuck over here in the segregated section. And rah, rah, rah. she wasn't over there saying the leader of the devils talking about the warden. She wasn't saying all of that. Can you imagine talking about a white coworker in such a context and then running? I'm jumping over barriers and behaving and stuff. Totally disgraceful and I totally uh, think it is connected as he said that this person has a lot of melanin like oh yes the vile and evil and satanic dark black person total disgrace and and in my view she said I think he said uh, the victim she just you know laughed or whatever and went along with it I think that's one of those you get those, those sort of racist attacks 
you get so many of them and you don't have the words. Maybe you don't, don't even understand it as racism. You don't have the language right. to counter all of that. And you just endure those type of insults. And that has such a huge and in my view, destructive impact. That's the sort of thing where you end up going home and feeling bad and ruminating about it and being upset about it. And it just pulling your self-respect down pulling that black self-respect down like as he said like it's been tons of them where he's talked about where they talked about other black people there and name calling them or like photograph time oh you're too dark and look at that and that sort of thing chipping away at that black self-respect daily basis again in my view none of this is you know accident going back to dr welsing black get back it's not ignorance it's not happenstance it's not coincidence uh, and just piling up the unprofessionals. He said, the fellas, Texas, we, we can't find her. I'm a text. See if she respond this way. Leaving my wife for you. I thought we were in the Me Too era. Like, hold up. Like, why is it everybody on speed dial? Like, what the, dub, this is the WTH. Like, are you serious? Jeff Tubin just hey, got, um, yes, sir. Just uh, really quick. I think the warden would have been uh, upset if she knew that I was in the room, uh, in the break room. She didn't know that I was around while they were doing that texting because I've called out the click gang and their, um, unjust networking. This was another attachment to it that I, you know, I didn't know was functioning that the, the court security was, you know, flirting with this lady. The chief deputy, you know, the warden or whatever. So he (laughs) is all, he also read out saying that, oh, are you divorcing your wife? Things like that. So just, uh, inappropriate sexual innuendos, things like that. Um, yeah, you know, I just wanted to point that out as well. So it's no, it's no telling how. Expansive or extended, the the white gang is, and I definitely, I definitely think my supervisor is uh, a part of these chats as well. I could tell by just by the facial grimaces, just on that alone, and and that's all I have. I'm very aware this sort of thing is rampant in the workplace. Uh, all of that flirting with other people and sexual hooking up with the people in the other place. All I can, all of that should be avoided. Like that is a recipe for catastrophic disaster. Even if you work with exclusively black people that were born in the U S ADOS and all that recipe for total apocalyptic disaster. He said, these folks are texting. Like, have you, do you not watch the news? Like, do you want to wait for how these text messages might look or sound like 18 months from now when it's not you reading it with a chuckle? This is being read on North Florida news <laughs> and somebody's uh, reporting you for inappropriate conduct. And now they got all these text messages. Of, oh, my goodness. I'm leaving my wife for you. And come on, like act like you have some sense in the workplace you are not here they have tinder and a whole lot of other apps that you can mess around with on your free time not in the work and especially not via text i wouldn't care if it's your phone or whatever like no way and he didn't say the warden would be upset that this sort of conduct was happening in the workplace 
He said the warden would be upset, like, oh, my God, you all are texting around him. Jesus Christ, he's going to be taking notes now. We're going to have to hear about this again. Like, oh, <laughs> that's not appropriate. It's supposed to be behave. Stop uh, texting sexually explicit commentary. That's what it should be. Not, oh, man, we have an observant, responsible employee who's trying to follow the manual and maybe documenting where people are behaving in a lewd manner in the workplace. That's the sort of leadership that we have from the warden. Who is aware, he says, very convinced, is aware that all of this is happening and her concern is that he knows about this. Uh, Jesus Lord. The, uh, the, the black male who they're upset about is saying that he's grumpy and withdrawn and all of that. They got a network about him too. And what should be done about the, the grumpy uh, male Negro uh, at the courthouse uh, and the sergeant uh, who's trying to shank people, I believe earlier, he says, well, I'll give him a hug. That'll help cheer him up. Uh, it's just the homoeroticism element came out to me since it's all this, you know, sexual, sexually inappropriate. I'm sorry. Oh, sorry. Sorry about that. I was just saying, I I agree with that. The homoeroticism. And they're like cheering it on, you know, like, yeah, yeah. I think that's what he needs. Like, yeah, he needs a, like, I do not, uh, text and, you know, talk privately. We're gossiping about, you know, who needs a good hug to boost them up and particularly hugging another male. Like, man, uh, retired firefighter would have to be talking real bad. <laughs> be talking, gossiping to other people like, oh man, yes, we need to hug. Yes. We need to go give him a good robust hug. And like, come on, come on, come on. And they're always trying to force something. We need to get this black male to eat. We need to get this black male to give us a hug and cheer up and smile and, all the way like come on come on we're at work we're understaffed we're in the middle of the rona like come on let's just get through the day we don't need any watermelon we don't need you all making calling black people devils and hopping barriers and such uh again as though we're in kindergarten or middle school let's just see if we can get through the day no food needed no hugs needed let's just get through the day as professionally as we can Sometimes that is asking a lot on the plantation. No hugs in the work environment. Lord, <laughs> can you imagine they sit around and are gossiping about they need to hug you? And some, uh, if you're a male, we need to get another white man to give you a hug to cheer up your spirits. Or if you're a female, we need to get another white woman to come and give you a nice, deep, strong hug to cheer you up. So you'll be less grumpy in the workplace. How about a raise? Jesus, uh, caller in North, oh my God, I can't even, we got the water, it was just went from tacky to tacky, like it wasn't even anything funny, just tacky and calling a black female a devil and Jesus, uh, caller in Florida, much obliged, like, uh, stay safe in the courtroom, uh, the caller at 4665, did you have a uh, commentary before we, uh, conclude? Yes, I'll be quick. Um, this is Golden in Ohio. Um, I had a couple of things to share. I'll say some from later. Um, but um, I think I've mentioned before about all these uh, different um, councils and groups I'm on. Well, one of them is uh, engagement and inclusion. And uh, we had a meeting today, and I missed it. It was a Zoom call. 
but I got the email like right after, so it was kind of like an abbreviated meeting. And to welcome uh, people back uh, uh, to, uh, you know, back to the work site, uh, which they started coming back June 2nd because our governor lifted all the orders um, within the state. Um, so they decided to uh, pass out donuts. Um, and if I was on the call, of course, I would have asked what is the healthy alternative for the um, vegans and the gluten-free, et cetera, et cetera, people. Um, I didn't have time to mail that. I think I might still have a day because I think they're planning it for Tuesday. But um, And then, of course, some witty phrase, uh, we don't know. We donut don't know what we would do without you, and don't know is donut. So they're going to post these all around and pass out donuts to all the department. We have uh, several hundred between uh, two buildings on this campus. So that's pretty tacky uh, coming out of Corona to uh, now we're going right back to um, – you know, food days are probably around the corner now since they're passing out donuts. Um, now, with respect to um, a black person mistreating people and keeping their job, I think I've spoken of someone before, and I can't remember the story I told, uh, but recently um, there is a lady, and um, I've been at the bank 13 years, and she's been there longer than me, so... I'm saying somewhere between 16 to 20, and she's in a lead position, but um, she routinely mistreats uh, pretty much everybody, but specifically people of color. So her latest um, thing that she did was she went and reported someone and said she felt that her life was threatened um, this person doesn't even talk to her. Most of the people don't talk to her because she's just caused a lot of strife. And um, so she went and reported this person and said she feared for her life because the person was in the lunchroom uh, standing behind her uh, punching, you know, how you take your fist and hit it across your open palm. And she she never said anything, never physically uh, accosted her, but for some reason this got into a report. It was a big investigation. They pulled a lot of people in, and this is just an example of the type of thing she's done. Um, she got a new manager. Uh, the Her new manager's second day there, she got into it with her manager. They had to talk to her. Uh, she's gotten into it with her a couple times, but they still don't do anything with her, and in that case, her manager is um, non-white, but specifically uh, East African. We have a lot of East and West Africans that work because um, there's certain communities here. Um, and also, I think it's ironic, it just speaking of being called a devil, this black lady called another lady on the shift a devil, and she's another East African. So I think there's, like, you know, really some kind of stigma with it. So she was, like, very visibly upset and crying and all this stuff. And, um, you know, they just don't do anything to her. So uh, 
that's really odd. Like I said, she's been about 18 years, and it just seems like when everything kind of cools down, she kicks up some kind of fuss, and it's typically with a person of color. And, um, oh, one more. I'll save uh, Juneteenth coming up um, to celebrate for some. Last year, our bank gave us uh, two hours paid time off. Well, of course, they're walking that back this year, and they say um, this year they gave us extra vacation time. So they said, use your vacation day, and oh, by the way, if anybody's off, we're going to open up overtime to cover those shifts. So you can volunteer to do overtime if you don't want to celebrate Juneteenth. So I thought that was uh, pretty tacky as well, and I'll just save the rest. Thanks. Juneteenth. That's right, Juneteenth. That is, I guess, a, a official holiday in some locations now, as though we needed more of those. Just replace white supremacy with justice. Uh, I can't say it enough time. I guess this was our, our bread day. I was, did my baking this week. I made buttermilk biscuits and baguettes and all that. It's not to take any of that to work. And frankly, I don't even know people who bake like that. Uh, I guess they were going to buy you all donuts from Krispy Kreme or wherever else. Um, even if they brought vegan, I'm here in Seattle. Hey, we got vegan donut shops here. Uh, I wouldn't care if they did bring in mighty O donuts. I'm good. Like in my, like that is so important for so many reasons, like in a work environment, like I'm not here to eat. I do not look at food as a perk. Uh, I am not, uh, one of Pavlov's dogs. Who's just going to salivate. Oh, it's donut day. Oh my gosh. I can't believe Woo! like, <laughs> presumably I have a job presumably I eat healthy so donuts are not top on my list anyway then when I do get them I get a healthier vegan version but that's not like no I'm not donuts like come on like trying to eat to live counter racism every time I put something in my mouth on my plate so donuts before we even get to donuts, like I said eating at work like no I'm never ever I mean who's handing all of this out like somebody the official uh, donut person you go around and allocate all of our individual donuts are they going to be stored someplace and we all go and breathe all over the donuts and pick like come on come on come on let's behave like it's 2021 uh, in a myriad of different ways and they said I thought the whole Rona thing was people being overweight and eating bad food like donuts anyway um the whole Juneteenth oh, with the black female. Now the one key, cause we still haven't heard an exact duplication of Samuel Cassidy, the white shooter reportedly in San Jose, California. He was insubordinate and in conflict with his coworkers for a decade. And I haven't heard anybody mention or even, you know, talk for their own personal experience and say, I, or such and such was insubordinate and in conflict now we've heard a lot of folks who are yes you can have a job and harass and mistreat all the black people you want call them names all day long and that might even be entertainment for white people mistreating other white people that is a little different and as I said the insubordinate where you just go on the job like I do what I want I don't care what the manager says I don't care what the employee manual says I make up my own rules in this part of town (laughs) Like if you know of a black person who behaves like that in a workplace environment, insubordinate 
and in conflict with other folks in, in conflict with white people. Maybe we need to say it that way because being in conflict with black people is what you're supposed to do. In conflict with white coworkers, non-white coworkers, insubordinate all the way. If folks know someone who, a black person who's able to function in that manner in a workplace environment for a decade and he wasn't 7-Eleven, like let us I don't even think you could do that at seven eleven. Like, man, you show up there late every day if you want to. They will find somebody else to mix those slurpees. Uh we did a little bit of extra time uh for workplace racism. Uh we'll still be here tomorrow for compensatory calling, nine PM Eastern, six PM Pacific. Much obliged to the folks who <clears throat> called in, emailed, whatever. I uh, hope it was worthy of your time and energy for a Friday evening. A little extra, in fact. Uh, with that, sobriety will be best. Heard that from Irie. The alcohol component, like, man, preserve your brain computer. We need high-level thinking. White people's narcotics is not, or are not, going to help us solve this problem. In addition to being sober, uh, if you're going to go out and about, be alert what's going down who's around you all of that uh, it is not a time uh, to just be out because it's summertime and think you can frolic and have a good time and it is a very dangerous time on the plantation circa 2021 late spring almost summer I guess we'll call it uh, as you are out and about if you're driving you're not on the cell phone uh, we need to be very attentive and we're trying to minimize contact with enforcement officials as best we can small things being buckled being sober creator we ask that you help us remain patient with other black people victims of white supremacy we ask that you help us remain patient with ourselves Remind us to demonstrate the highest levels of black self-respect at all times, in all places, each and every time we are in contact with another black person. No name calling Uh, that hearing a white person in a work environment calling a black person a devil, the leader of the devils, in fact, like man. That's the sort of environment that white supremacy racism thrives on and demands one thing that has enormous impact. I'm not going to mimic that behavior. When I talk to another black person, I'm going to call them by their name and nothing else. No gossiping either. Cal signing out. Thanks all for tuning in. Nigga, you so brainwashed. I'm a victim, brother. I'm a victim of 400 years of conditioning. Shut up. The man has programmed my conditioning. Mm -hmm. Even my conditioning has been conditioned.